Greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the best damn movie-related show on the planet Earth, The John Campy Show, coming from right here on my YouTube channel. I am, of course, your host, John Campia, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you, our international friends, gather around as we talk about our favorite things in the world, movies, movie news, TV, streaming, all sorts of good stuff, sitting right over here. He just put in an order for a hot toy, the one and the only Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett. Robert, how you doing? John, I'm really worried about Ed Baldwin. Ray knows what I'm talking about. Oh, this is a for all for mankind. All mankind? Thing? Yeah, I was like, "There's he might an be Ed dead. Baldwin." He might be dead. He might be alive. Who's to say? I don't know. You, what do you saw think? the whole series. You are, don't don't he's a, yeah. He's, don't he's, pretend like you don't know. But like, thank you, Rob. You've seen effort. the final bunch of episodes. I tried. Dude. I know. I'm trying I to know. fake it up. Okay, sitting right beside him, always faking it up. I have no idea what that means. Uh, Never. Why would I waste my time like that? Um, <laughs> It's a bittersweet day, you guys. Brendan Cribbins passed. The the grandfather of Donna Noble on Doctor Who, Wilf Mott. Oh, he I, passed. I read, you got to understand, like, I don't watch Doctor yeah. Who. So when I, I read uh, the Doctor Who star passes away, uh, I, I didn't know the relevance, the connection of that. Yeah, but. yeah. A very beloved character. So I spent the morning, you know, watching a lot of his clips and I just loved him so much. Really nice long life. Really great guy. Uh, joining us today, also sitting over here, joining you guys in the live chat. Lay Laura? Lay Laura. Lay Laura. Oh, no. Don't Is that what you told me to say? I still don't know what it meant, but he told me to say that. Ray Warren's joining you guys today. Ray, how you doing? Me and you, Rob, we doubled down on this uh, Mighty Jane Thor hot toy. Yeah, we yeah, did. You both put in orders we for it. We both put in pre-orders. Uh, is yours non-refundable, too? No, because I didn't have to put any money down. Oh. Mm. Oh, this is always the good mm. kind of purchase. Then right beside him, of course, joining his producer, running the show today, Jonathan Voikos here. Jonathan, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing okay. I just want to say, hey, guys, look, we did it. Two consecutive quarters of negative GDP. We are in a recession. We've done it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> America, baby. America. It be your last. This too shall pass. Let's talk about movies. I'm so tired of living in unprecedented times. <laughs> All right, guys, here's how today's show is going to go. We're going to break it down into two parts. In the first half of the show, we're going to talk about some predetermined topics. Then in the second half of the show, we're going to talk, take your live comments and questions. How do you get a live comment or question on the show? That part's easy. Number one, you got to be watching live. Number two, when we get to the end of the main topics, we'll announce that we're opening up the Super Chats. That is your cue that you can start firing them in. Be ready, though, to send in those thoughts, comments, observations, questions, and theories, because we only leave it open for a couple of minutes, so make sure you have them ready to go. All right, guys, with that all down, we got a full docket today, so let's dive right in with a couple of off-the-tops, and our first one is this. You know, they announced a while ago, first, Anna DeArmas is one of the, the hottest names in, in the business right now. I mean, I loved her, albeit small part, in the most recent James Bond film. Um, I mean, a number of other things... I. I'm not going to lie. I It was probably my least favorite performance of her in Gray Man, but I've loved her in just about everything we've seen. And of course, it caught a lot of people's attention when they said she was going to be Marilyn Monroe. And then, of course, this project got even more attention when they said it's going to be NC-17, mm. which I can't remember the last time. I think there was like a horror movie back in the AMC days that I was there that got an NC-17 that was going to be released in theaters. Anyway. My life is NC-17. My life is NC-17. So... Today, the first trailer dropped for the movie Blonde, which is, of course, the Marilyn Monroe picture starring Anna Armas. And I got to tell you what, other than the fact that once or twice in the trailer, Anna's accent does come through yep. a couple of times, which is a little off-putting at first. The trailer is brilliant. And I felt myself getting emotional on this very 
personal story about this. I, I love these stories about these individuals who you think are on top of the world, but are actually dealing with unspeakable pain at the same time and struggle and things like that. And I thought just in the span of two minutes, this trailer really captured that well. Um, yeah, again, the accent thing slipped once or twice. But other than that, I by the time this trailer was over, I'm like, where can I watch this right now? I wanted to see this immediately, so I think this thing's a big winner. Rob, you had a chance to see the trailer. What do you think of it? I, I thought it looked great. I mean, you could tell I dread what is in this movie. Yeah. There's there's, there's going to be some rough things in this film that are not going to be pleasant to watch, I would imagine. Um, but, it, I mean, I love the fact, though, I love the way it looks. You know, I thought her performance, you can already tell it's heartbreaking. Yeah. And, it. I mean, Andrew Dominic is a great filmmaker. This looks... This looks this looks pretty hard hitting. I mean, I think Netflix. I don't know if this is Oscar bait yet, but it might be. I mean, it might be in the Oscar conversation. Well, Chris, you had a chance to see it. Yeah. What were your impressions of the trailer? Ooh, it looks really compelling because yeah, I've been really concerned about why we get that NC seventeen rating. If it's really, really, uh, you know, an exploitative film, because she was an actor who has incredibly exploited her entire career yes, she was. Yeah. in so many ways. So I, I have had a lot of concern about what's going to happen here. She seems amazing in this. The dialect does slip up, and that is a thing that you talk about a lot in acting is the sustainability of a voice or dialect or things like that. But she did go through nine months of dialect coaching for this. There also were ADR sessions for her on this, too. So I guess we just kind of missed a few. But she's gone on record to talk about how difficult this was for her and how it just left her brain. And these are her own words, totally fried. So it's really hard to master somebody else's voice and to have the longevity to do this for a several month shoot. Let me ask a question. Mm -hmm. And, and look, I, I think it's well established. Everybody in this room is a huge Anadarmus Absolutely. fan. We all are. But if you cast a performer that they have to take nine months of dialect coaching just to play the role. Could one not argue that maybe that wasn't the right person to cast? You absolutely can. I mean, a lot of actors, too, you got to remember, sometimes it's not provided for you to have these coaches on set. A lot of people hire their own coaches for movement, dialects, that sort of thing. And I always think actors who are really taking themselves seriously should do that if they are taking on something that's outside of their typical traditional voice. But, you know, all of the mannerisms are there, though. You know, all of her physicality is so very Marilyn. So maybe that's what won her over the role initially, because I remember when this first happened, I went, that's a really interesting casting choice. That's not who I would have gravitated towards. But when you see how she moves, she does have so many of Marilyn's physicalities that I think that's probably what won the role ultimately. Right. Now, I, I see some people in the live chat with some really, really bad takes on this. Like some people like I've read somebody in the live chat saying, well, wait a minute, like. Somebody has to take like nine months of combat training. No, you're talking about the basic acting function of speaking dialogue. So like if you've got a great, great actor, like you always get the best actor first. That That's my thing is always start with get the best actor you can for the role. That's a great fit for the role. But I'm just wondering. And, and again, I say this as a big Anadarmus fan. If she struggled so much with the dialect that just the basic acting function of speaking your lines took her nine months and then even still in the trailer we realized it wasn't able to nail it i'm i just i'm wondering out loud if maybe that wasn't the right role for her maybe another actress might have been better for it but i listen i may end up watching this movie and saying damn she deserves the academy award for this i mean just the pictures raised uh, ray that jonathan's been putting up here um 
they're striking, especially Jonathan. Can you go back to that last one you had up? Yeah. Uh, um, I mean that's that's pretty incredible. Yeah. You know what and, reminds me of? It reminds me of the um, Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. When you'd see mm-hmm. shots of the actual stuff that happened, and then shots that they had, the 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 ones they recreated in the movie side yeah. by side. That's what that reminds me of. That yeah, I think they had a hard time finding somebody that looked like her. That and could you, be convincing. We've seen so many people freak out about that aspect too when we have people playing real life individuals of they don't look enough like them. I can't suspend my disbelief enough because they don't look like the person. Right. So it is one of those things where I think you got to weigh out the options too. What's going to make your audience believe this the most? Hopefully you get a marriage of two things coming together, right? The voice, the physicality, the, the uh, actual look is all there. But you know, people are always going to find something wrong with an actual portrayal of a real life person. I, I feel stupid that I'm forgetting. I can't remember if it was Kate Mulligan or if it was Michelle Williams who played Marilyn Monroe. Michelle Williams. It was Michelle Williams recently. That, I think that might be my favorite Marilyn Monroe. Oh, my week with Marilyn? Yeah. So I, good. I think that might be my favorite Marilyn Monroe thing. Mm-hmm. But there's so much that's intriguing about this. And I think the trailer's fantastic. Anyway, guys, question is for you. Did you have a chance to see the trailer for Blonde? I think, I mean, a couple of the accent things here and there notwithstanding. I think the trailer looks incredible. I cannot wait to watch this movie. How do you guys feel about it? Whatever your thoughts are, jump down to the comment section below and leave those thoughts there. All right, guys. With that down, let's do another off the top, and that is this. Speaking of trailers and teasers, Mm. you know, when we went to go, what movie did we go see that they played the Christopher Nolan? Which one? Nope. Nope. That's right. Going to see Nope, it was a pleasant surprise that to open Nope, they played the first teaser for Christopher Nolan's new film, Oppenheimer, which we have been just buzzing about and super excited about. Well, that little teaser that, you know, Christopher Nolan likes his trailers to play first in theaters, period. Well, it's online now. And you can find that online just about anywhere you go. Just go and search for the Oppenheimer teaser. And it is now out there, up and online. And now you guys see who didn't go to see Nope. You see what everybody else has been talking about now, right? Now, again... This is just a teaser. So all this teaser really does is lay out, for lack of a better term, tone. It just lays out tone. We really don't get a l- anything in terms of story or anything like that, but just tone. The way it's shot, though, and the, the movement of it and, the, and the, the accompanying sound with it, it's a great little tease. Now, as a trailer, not very good because I, I couldn't tell you one extra thing about this movie now. As a quick little tease... That just gives you a little bit of flavor. And knowing that this is a Christopher Nolan film, I I got to tell you, I can't remember the last time I was this excited about a new Christopher Nolan movie. Like, I'm very, just because of the source, like what it's based on, the cast is phenomenal. So I liked what I saw. Rob, what did you think about this uh, Oppenheimer teaser? Oh, you know, as the Viceroy of Verisimilitude, nobody does Verisimilitude better than Christopher Nolan. Yeah. I mean, you, you everything about his. You know, the idea of the the quality of being real is what that's all about. And, you know, they, the French term mise-en-scene, the, what you see in the frame, he does it so well. I mean, there's you never disbelieve a moment in a Christopher Nolan movie, The what, what you're looking at. Story-wise, sometimes I'm like, Dark Knight Rises, why does Batman take the time to leave a burning bat signal on that bridge? Don't know. But when you see it, it looks real. <laughs> Like, I don't know. I mean, Batman apparently had time to do it. But this film, it just, just John, even when they have like a file cabinet, like the camera's pushing into a yeah. file cabinet, or somebody's writing, it just. Or it, a hat on a desk. It, it or, just looks sumptuous. Yeah. I mean, it looks like you just want to be enveloped by it and just feel the 40s. 
feel the 30s too i guess <laughs> i mean uh about uh, every frame of it you could have you could have taken any frame just said pause and take a snapshot and that would be a poster i would put on my wall yep. oh like, yeah like, this like entire even this image right here it looks like something you'd see in someone's you know pick your favorite mid-century photographer it looks like they took this picture it looks gorgeous chris Ooh. you had a chance to see what do you think about the teaser oh it's stunning right it's so pretty to look at and i'm really excited about how this film's going to pan out too we've got mostly black and white footage with some things happening in technicolor the film itself is supposedly based off of american prometheus the biography of yeah. oppenheimer so if you want to know more about the story you can totally go out and read that but this all just looks so intriguing and delicious i'm hyped you know i keep making the joke and i've been making it for months but I'll make it again. When do we get the information, the news that he's partnered up with the United States military to actually detonate an atomic device <laughs> in the American Southwest desert somewhere? For the truest essence of yeah. realism. Uh, we got to see that. I mean, if one guy could, I could see the American military getting, I mean, someone should make a Saturday Night Live short when you when the Amer American military gets gets the telegram or gets the document and somebody's actually considering it. Well, it is Christopher Nolan after all, mm -hmm. you know, it, it goes up the chain of command and maybe president Biden's like, yeah, I'd kind of like to be there. Why don't we set one off? I, you know what? I would not be surprised when you look at all the stuff Michael Bay has done. When you look at top gun, whatever, I honestly, I don't mean this, I wouldn't be surprised at all. If there is a division or a department in the military strictly for filmmaking, like that's strictly oh, dedicated to dealing yeah. with filmmakers and entertainment to give them that stuff. But I, you know, nuclear weapons might be off the table, but we'll see. It we is Christopher test Nolan. them anyway. Anyway, guys, questions for you. <laughs> did you have a chance? You got to test them anyway to check out this new teaser for Oppenheimer. If so, what did you think about it? I mean, if you don't know anything about the background that's based on the guy who created the atomic bomb, maybe you're watching and thinking, I don't get it, understandably. But if you did see it and understood what the movie was about, what did you think about it? Whatever those thoughts are, jump down to the comment section below and leave those thoughts there. Okay, guys, with that down, let's take a second and thank one of the sponsors of today's show. They've got a new show coming out called The Resort that does look great. Our friends at Peacock and The Resort. We want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, the new Peacock series, The Resort. In Peacock's must-see new series, there's more than just trouble in paradise. There's a flip phone, a disappearance, and a suspiciously timed hurricane. The Resort, a new Peacock original from the creators of Palm Springs and Mr. Robot, is an unexpected exploration of how love, marriage, and family can be a real trip. When a couple finds an old flip phone in the jungle on an anniversary getaway, they are unknowingly pulled into an unsolved mystery, a bizarre case that went cold 15 years prior when a once-in-a-century storm wiped away all evidence. This journey through the Mayan Riviera will take you from the edge of your seat to the depths of human experience and back again. Starring William Jackson Harper, Kristen Miliati, Luis Gerardo Mendez, and Nick Offerman, the resort is streaming July 28th only on Peacock. And thank you to our friends at Peacock for sponsoring this episode of The John Campbell Show with their new show, The Resort. All right, guys, with that down, let's do another off the top, and that is this. You know, the She-Hulk, more She-Hulk trailers have come out. Of course, we got that at Comic-Con. Then we had some some of that Entertainment Tonight sizzle footage that they put out that we talked about yesterday. And in all this stuff, we're seeing Wong. We go to see Shang-Chi, we see Wong. We go to see Doctor Strange, there's Wong. Wong is everywhere. To the point that Kevin Feige even recently made a joke saying we need to rename this thing into the Wong Cinematic Universe, which is okay by me because ever since the first Doctor Strange movie, I have loved Benedict Wong playing Wong. It's just great, fantastic. I love it. But here's the thing. When Kevin Feige jokes about, you know, we're going to have to rename this thing the Wong Cinematic Universe, he may not be all that far off. 
Now, kind of sparking this whole thing, uh, the folks over at CBR put up a really interesting article that it starts with this uh, weird headline saying, She-Hulk Attorney Law confirms Phase 4 is, uh, is the one cinematic universe. But really, you go into it, and they raise some interesting points that I thought would be interesting to just kind of discuss here. There are, I think, two things, because of how just delightful Wong is on screen, right? He's just a delightful, he comes on screen, in some ways like Santa Claus, you just feel better when Wong's on screen. I don't know why, you just do. But it feels great when he's there. But there, I think there are two important things to, that we lose sight of about Wong that this article kind of points out. Number one, we often forget Wong is literally one of the most number one knowledgeable and number two powerful beings in the universe. We forget he is the Sorcerer Supreme. That's him. He's it. And I think a lot of us, I, I do forget that sometimes because he's just so delightful. He's singing Hotel California with Shang-Chi and Kate at the end. I mean, and so you, that's the one you think of, the guy you want to go out and have drinks with. But he is, number one, one of the most knowledgeable beings in the universe. And two, he's he's up there in the pantheon of some of the most powerful beings in the universe as well. He is the Sorcerer Supreme. The second thing is this, is that in that post credit scene in Shang-Chi, we, yeah, he's the one who goes and gets, you know, Shang and brings him and Kate in. But we kind of lose sight of the fact, like with the guy, oh, wow, there's Bruce. And oh, wow, there's Captain Marvel. We lose sight of the fact that Wong does seem to be the one now who's pulling everything back in together. Like when something is going on, Wong is the one who goes out and checks it out. We saw that in Shang-Chi, and now we see that going on in the She-Hulk trailers. Like, hey, something big's going on. Wong is the one who takes the initiative and goes out and reaches out to people. It seems like, you know, Rob is, uh, is always bringing up, rightfully so, bringing up the point that we, as the audience, don't really know what the Avengers is right now. But from what we've seen in Phase 4, Wong seems to be the one who is reassembling the Avengers. He's the one who seems to be... I've often just referred to him as connective tissue. It seems like he's becoming the connective tissue, but it seems that when you really think about it, it seems like it is more than that. You remember, of course, in Endgame, like in the shambles of what was left of the world, it was Black Widow sitting in the chair and everybody kind of coming that. If you really look back at that Shang-Chi scene, it seems like he's the one who's kind of now in that position and pulling them all together. And... While we all kind of recognize that Wong has a bigger role to play in the MCU, I think it may be even bigger than we've been suspecting. And so we were talking the other day about, you know, who's in the Avengers and who could even be leading the Avengers. And I never said Wong. I just immediately went to Captain Marvel, uh, Captain America, Sam, maybe, uh, maybe Thor. But, I mean, it there could be a very, very strong argument that, it may actually end up being Wong, who like, becomes the central figure of that, which would be a very weird idea, yet oddly compelling to me. I know, Chris, you were hearing all this stuff. Like, mm -hmm. what do you think Wong's place is right now in this whole mess? I love him taking up a leadership position because he's already the Sorcerer Supreme. Right. And so he's got to balance a lot of things out. He literally has to maintain the balance of this universe, right? Yeah, that's his job. And... Who better to do that with than all these superpowered individuals? And I love this kind of idea of branching out 
past just the usual sorcerers within that realm that he's used to and going out to form these teams with other people. Because why wouldn't you want to add talent when you're fighting galactic threats? I think that's fantastic. And I think we've got a lot more stuff we can delve into with Wong, too, as a character, right? I love that he's been in Karmaritage his whole life and is finally learning about pop culture and loves <laughs> karaoke. I mean, he just learned about Beyonce and now he's singing Hotel California. And if they pull from the comics, too, and look into his whole kind of servitude from a familial standpoint because he comes from a long line of firstborn males that serve the ancient one he's now taking his own path away from that kind of thing and that's right. really really compelling storytelling that i think can do a lot of good with talking about duty to oneself and duty to the greater good and making that kind of a thrust of his narrative within the mcu and becoming a leader with the avengers rob you're this whole big wide discussion Wong's a great character, but like, what do you think and how, what do you think about everything that's been said already? And where do you kind of see his role being moving forward here? Well, I think Wong knows more than he's letting on because mm -hmm. he can't let it on yet. It's kind of like when Dr. Strange, when they were battling Thanos, he says, you know, I've seen 5 million outcomes of this and there's only one way to go. And because he was a part of it, he was able to see those outcomes. I think because of Wong's position, he knows that either the universe is unraveling he knows that Kang is coming. You know, the, the, he, he, he sees all of this, but he can't tell anybody yet because he can't affect the unfolding. He knows he can't affect the unfolding outcome of events. So what he's been doing is I think he's been shoring up his relationships with people. He even says in the She-Hulk trailer, there are things coming happening that, you know, that you don't know about or whatever. Yeah, and I think, I think that's where we're at is that Wong, not only is Wong going to be put in a leadership position fairly soon, he's also the only person that knows about the battle that's coming. Ooh. What do you think about the idea, though, that he could like actually maybe even be like the leader of the Avengers going to something like oh, that? Oh, I, I could absolutely see him being leader of the Avengers because there, there is no leader now. And, and what he's doing is he's, we've seen him gather forces. You know, he's already got Shang-Chi. He's like, welcome to the big games, buddy. <laughs> you know, and he's 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 looking into the technology. He's summoning. He can summon Captain Marvel. He's going to see She-Hulk abomination. I think what he's doing is he's he, he is he's gathering the forces because the storm is coming. But he just can't tell anybody that. So he's he's forging relationships with people. So when he goes and finally has to pull the trigger, they'll follow him. Well, that's a great segue here. Rob. A whole bunch of people in the chat are saying he's the new Coulson, which. It makes yeah. me so heartbroken because if anything happens to uh, Wong, Wong oh, I will be so sad. I'll be so, so sad. I don't think he's you, the Sorcerer Supreme. I mean, the, if anything, he's the new Nick Fury mm -hmm. because Coulson is a it was it was a second in command. Yeah. I mean, he is the Sorcerer Supreme just because he's not Doctor Strange. He, he if there was the Avengers now, he would be on the Avengers. Oh, for team. sure. I think from the gathering and maybe heart of a team that can kind of push them forward, though, and then has us all have an emotional connection to. Yeah. I think that's where the Coulson thing is coming from. That, that's true. But remember, I mean, Dr. Strange was gone for five years. Mm -hmm. And whatever is happening now, the roots of what was happening were planted when everybody was blipped. So, right. you know. I, I, got, I also just adore Benedict Wong himself. Yes. Actually, you got that picture. So we got to meet oh. Benedict at, at, at an event and that's Anne dressed up in her Kate Bishop outfit. <laughs> but it's it was so great because like, he's got this serious look on his face, right? But he comes bounding out to us. Like, like just this jovial goes, hey, guys. And like, blah, blah, blah. It's like, 
Oh, you're, you're dressed as Kate Bishop? Yeah, that's so cool. And, blah, blah, blah. and, and then we go in, it's like, okay, ready for the picture? Yeah, and all of a sudden he just... <laughs> and then it's just like just a charming, delightful, very, very cool guy. Anyway, guys, question is for you. What do you think is Wong's kind of place right now in the MCU? We meet him in Doctor Strange. You think, okay, so just a far, far off secondary character or whatever, but he seems like maybe he's moving into a very prominent role in the MCU. What do you see his role being? Could he be a de facto leader of the Avengers? Maybe that's too much. Whatever you guys think, jump into the comment section below and leave your thoughts there. Okay, guys. With that down, let's do one more off the top. Yeah, we had four <laughs> off the wow. top today. But it is the biggest news of the day to me. Now, here's the thing. When you start talking about the executive offices of studios and stuff like that, I mean, that's not the sexy news. That's not Henry Cavill coming back as Superman. That's not, you know, there's going to be two new Avengers movies coming. That's not Christopher Nolan has left Warner Brothers. You know, like, the, the, the executive suite news is not really the sexy one to people. But it ultimately, at the end of the day, ends up being the most important. And... This, to me, is a tectonic shift in the entire industry, as far as I'm concerned. We talked about this a number of months ago, and it is now official. It has come to pass. The greatest movie executive of the past 30 years is going to Warner Brothers. Former Disney Pictures head chief honcho, chief creative officer, chairman of Disney Pictures, the guy who was in charge of shepherding out the MCU, the Star Wars billion-dollar films, all the Disney billion-dollar films, all the movies, whether they fall under Disney Pictures, Disney Animation, Pixar, Lucasfilm, Marvel, whatever, the Kevin Feige's boss, that Kevin Feige said was the most influential guy he's ever had in his life in the business, Alan Shore. Horn. I keep saying Alan Shore because I'm thinking. <laughs> I, mean, I love Alan Shore. I'm a James Bader fan, brother. I keep thinking of Boston Public. So, or uh, Boston Law, uh, the practice. So, <laughs> here he That's along funny. comes Alan Horn, and he had retired at seventy something years old. I can't remember exactly how. Like, dude was on the cover twice of Karate Magazine because he's a legit full fledged black belt. This dude. And you don't think he brings the sexy? Gosh, John. <laughs> That's right. So. He retires. I mean, it's not it's not coincidence that he retires when Bob Iger was leaving because Bob Iger is the one who got him out of retirement in the first place because Alan Shore had been retired. Bob Iger's like, we need somebody to head our movie division. And he went and he got Alan Shore, who was sipping Mai Tais on the beach at Tahiti and says, I need you to come out of retirement. Come work with us. He comes out of retirement and leads Disney to billion dollar film after billion dollar film after I think it was something like 18 billion dollar films or something like that under his stewardship. (laughs) Well, guess what? He's back in the game again. Only now he's at Warner Brothers. We are getting this report that is coming out of the wrap. That says Hollywood veteran Alan Horn has joined Warner Brothers Discovery as the senior advisor. He is directly working with David Zaslav. Back to where he used to be. Yeah, at Warner Brothers. He's gone back home. That's where he was before he came out of retirement to work with Bob Iger and shepherd Disney Pictures to becoming the most powerful force in all the entertainment industry. He is now jump ship. He's come out of retirement to be David Zaslav's right-hand man. He reports only to David Zaslav, the, the head honcho CEO of all things Warner Brothers Discovery now. And we talked about this a couple of months ago when there were whispers that this could happen. And, you know, listen, I have been very bullish 
on the future of Warner Brothers Pictures with David Zaslav. Now, now it's going to take a couple of years to really feel that effect. But I've been very, very bullish on the fact that David Zaslav's there now. The Axis Zaslav has been sharp and swift. No nonsense with Zaslav. We are doing a what? A what movie? A Wonder Twins movie? Yeah, that ain't happening. <laughs> kind of, I mean, he has been swift and sharp. And I've liked almost, almost, I've liked almost every move they've made so far there. And we talked about if you now get the greatest movie executive of the past number of decades to now come in and be the main guy to give him, he's he's the, what do they call in the Game of Thrones? The hand of the king? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he's the hand of the king. Alan. He is the gift. Yeah, he is it. He is the hand of the king now. And listen again, this doesn't mean overnight we're going to see all this massive stuff happen overnight. This is this is going to be the kind of stuff that we will feel the effects of two or three years down the road. But it's going to be, all be because of decisions that are being made now. There could not be a smarter move that David Zaslav could do than for a second time talking Alan Horn to come out of retirement. Now, granted, it's not going to be a long time. Alan or uh, David Zaslav says this is going to be during this transition period, which probably means a couple of years. So he's not going to be there for the next seven or eight years. He wants to get back to that beach. But I mean, for th- this is the best news. If you are, are somebody who is a fan of this industry and you want to see a thriving, healthy Warner Brothers, there couldn't be better news for them than to, for you to wake up today and find out that. Alan Horn is now on board with this. Uh, this this is huge. Make no mistake about it. This is huge. And I'm very, I don't know if you can tell, I'm very excited about this. Because whenever we think that studios, any studio is in good position to make better movies now, that's something film fans should be excited about. Alan Horn, I keep wanting to say sure. <laughs> Alan Horn being so back <laughs> in the game over at a now David Zaslav led Warner Brothers, I think is tremendously exciting. Anyway, Rob, you and I have been talking about this for for months now. It's now, the the trigger's been pulled, it's now official. What do you think about this? Well, you know, being a studio head is one of the most fraught with peril jobs you can possibly have because the pressure is enormous. Every time you put out a movie, you you win or lose. Uh, And nobody, as they say in Hollywood, nobody knows anything. It's a tough, tough place to be. David Zaslav has no fear of, I think for all the studio executives that exist, he's coming in, he's making decisive decisions. He knows his position. He, he, other studio executives would not go bring in someone like Alan Horn because it could be perceived as weakness. Yeah. It could be perceived as a lot of things. David Zaslav is like, don't give an F. Yep. I'm going to go to somebody who knows the most, somebody that can tell me he has a great leader knows when to go to people I mean, go when you go to the mountain and you need to go to Muhammad. If your position, you, you're you're securing your position. You do that, and that's what David Zaslav did. He went. He does not have any fear. He does not have any problem with going to somebody who might know more than him and saying, "Yo, come help me out for a while." I mean, that shows to me just how powerful David Zaslav is as the head of Warner Brothers, and it gives me. Uh, a great deal of confidence. I, I I think Warner Brothers has always been my favorite studio, not just because I worked there early on in my career, but just I, I just love it. And I love seeing, seeing a guy like Zaslav who's like, nope, I have no problem hiring somebody that knows more than me. That's something in Hollywood people are always scared to do because they think they give up some of their power or their, it shows weakness. No, I don't think it does. It shows that you're smart. 
And again, the axe of Zaslav swings both ways. And this is, this is, it might be instrument of creation or destruction. That is right. That is right. And this is, he's, he's swinging it back and putting it in its sheath, you know, and saying, please, Mr. Horn, come down and blow that horn and show me the way. I'm not going to go there. No, I mean, he, 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 I'm saying Alan is himself. It's Shofar, you know. Yeah. Oh, I, I thought you were saying that was Alan's pickup line at a bar. Blow no. that horn. No. He's going to lead his people to the promised land after Anybody. they hear the sound of the horn. Please. You sexually charged Anybody. people. Come on. Chris, it's not I mean, always the hand gesture isn't helping either, Rob. <laughs> I love Chris, you. Oh my gosh. About this. What do you think? Well, we've been talking about this for ages because for the past six months at least, we've been hearing about how Horn has been mentoring Zaslav. And he's getting so much advice from him. He's really, really teaching about the him about the business and how to be a proper leader and all of this. And we've speculated so many times on this show. Does that mean you think he's gonna come back and do some stuff? Maybe he would. I can't tell you how excited I was that I got something of business acumen right. When I read this this morning, I was like, what? That never happens. Somewhere Jeff Carr is high-fiving a thousand angels, being like, she finally learned about business. I'm so excited about this. I think this can only usher in a really, really good era for WB because Alan Horn knows his stuff. And Zaslav obviously doing the listening tour, really, really taking to heart all these lessons that these very successful executives have given him. I think this is a match made in heaven and we're going to see some really fabulous things out of here and maybe we'll sort some shit at WB. All right. Now let me stir some shit. Oh, no. Let, dun, me, dun, dun, dun. let me sip the Why tea. can't you let us be happy? Let me throw something out there. Okay. Mm -mm. Not based on anything that I know. Just just let me throw this out there. Mm -hmm. You know, in the sports world, Ray can back me up on this. Can it's I? been known <laughs> to happen that a team would say, hire a coach because they know there's a certain superstar player that's going on free agency soon that likes that coach. I know where you're that going with this. opens up the door to maybe that'll become an extra little bit of attraction to bring that superstar player over. You know where I'm going with this. Yep. Kevin Feige's contract is not a perpetual contract. It has an expiration date. Kevin Feige has had, in the last couple years, a lot of his authority and power stripped away from him as far as his control over Marvel and, and what happens to their projects and which projects get greenlit and all that kind of stuff. Kevin Feige is a guy that I have proposed in recent years is a guy who has, he's done it all at Marvel. He's done it all. He's created multiple billion dollar films. He's had movies nominated for best picture at the Academy Awards. He has created the most powerful juggernaut at the box office that the movie industry has ever seen. He's climbed the mountain. And I've always said that guys like that are always looking for the next challenge. What is the next mountain to climb? Is he going to fight the, Alan Horn? No, I think Alan Horn, I could see two years from now, Alan Horn going, giving, getting on the phone with his uh, old little protege and say, hey, Kevin, you know, ah, man, it sucks the way they've taken all that authority away from you. You've done anything. You know what? You want a real challenge? We got this full slate of these iconic DC characters over here. We've had mixed success with it over the years. Some, some great things, some not so great things. I think it's time for you to climb your next mountain, Kevin. Come on over here. Join me again. Come back to Palpatine. Come on over here and we will rule the galaxy as father and son. Uh, maybe that's going a little bit too far. <laughs> 
But I, I'm just, look, I, I'm not trying to, well, I am absolutely trying to stir the shit. I'm just throwing that out there. That Alan Horn being over there at Warner Brothers has got to make the idea of leaving Disney and going to Warner Brothers maybe in one, two years, whatever, look a little bit more. I mean, doesn't that make it at least, whether or not you think he'll do it, don't you at least think, Rob, that that, that, that uh, Alan Horn being there now makes it at least a little bit more appealing to a guy like Kevin Feige? You know, I would have said immediately my first thought would have been no. But here's the thing. Kevin Feige, you know he's got his two lieutenants that Victoria Alonso recently got a promotion. Yeah. Uh, Louis Desposito. Has been right there with him right for there the whole time. I think if Kevin Feige were alone, I would say no, he wouldn't leave. Because they just announced all of this slate. You know, it's programmed out for the next. But we do know but, he's less hands-on but, now than he was right. before. Right, and I would say that that slate, the 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 planning stages of all that, if there was a time to go to a place where you would be, a, the the fact is Kevin Feige has already done more than any producer in Hollywood, and to have anything taken away from him after the success he's had at all, you don't you don't remove power from somebody like him ever, no matter what. But they have. <laughs> I, I could say that in this particular instance, to come to a studio with a legacy like Warner Brothers and to basically be given carte blanche by David Zaslav and then to have Alan Horn and the two of them plotting the course for the studio for the next decade. And it might not just be DC properties because Kevin Feige doesn't want to produce comic book movies for the rest of his life. He probably has things that he's wanted to do outside or oh, he wants to do uh, star wars <laughs> uh, yeah i mean he would have to give Which, that up yeah he would have to give that up but again star wars would never be as closely associated with him as the mcu was no of course not warner brothers is basically him being given an entire studio and a guy saying kevin by the way don't forget he worked at warner brothers under donner kevin yep. feige came from and anybody who's ever worked at warner brothers there's something about being there that never leaves your bloodstream and and you're on that lot, that iconic lot. No one sold off that lot. They've changed a little bit. They got rid of the Western town and built buildings, whatever. I could see you being right about this. Because you're Kevin Feige. You're sitting there at Disney Rides. Like, huh, I'm working under a regime right now that has been taking away my authority. They've been causing tension and problems and drama with my stars and, and our cast publicly and all this kind of stuff. Meanwhile, over there, there's the guy who got me out from under Ike Perlmutter who basically gave me, as you would say, carte blanche to create this universe the way I saw fit. Huh. Well, I wonder what would be best for me right now. I mean, look at that picture. And I get to right work now. there. That's it. That's what basically David Zaslav is offering to Kevin Feige. By the way, yeah. it's only two blocks away. Everything the sun touches is our kingdom. That's what he says to him. That's Kevin it. Feige could actually be like, you know what? I think I'm going to walk today. He could walk right off one studio lot, literally and across right the street, back right right <laughs> up Olive there. Avenue. But bam! Now, by the way, let go me go right clear. into Pass Ave Gate. I brother. am not cheering for Kevin Feige to leave Disney. Never, yeah. like my, the my thought that I think he is ultimately going to leave Disney. Don't don't think for a second that means I'm hoping he leaves. I don't. No, I love the work he does over there. I'm just saying it's got to be a little bit tempting. I guess though, it comes down to there's a phrase right forwards ever backwards never. So do you go to a studio doing a bit of the same, right? DC doing more superhero movies, but you have complete creative control again. Or do you stay at a studio where that complete creative control has been taken back, but you get to move forward with Star Wars? I mean, what ultimately do you go with? I mean, no, listen, we don't have a crystal ball, yeah. but this, regardless, 
Alan Horn going to Warner Brothers is huge. And guess what? The other creative geniuses in Hollywood is not just Kevin Feige. There are other creatives who oh, yes. love working with Alan Horn. And I think this is, I, again, we're not going to see the results today, next week, next month. It's going to take a year or two, but I think this is going to be huge. Anyway, guys, we got to move on. Questions for you. What do you think about this? Alan Horn is now over at Warner Brothers officially. He is the hand of the king to David Zaslav now when it comes to their motion picture division. What do you guys think? Whatever your thoughts are, jump down to the comment section below and leave your thoughts there. All right, guys, before we now move into our main topics here today, we want to take a second and thank one of the other sponsors of our videos today, Ryan Reynolds and the good folks at Mint Mobile. Hey guys, we want to take a second to thank the sponsor of this video, Ryan Reynolds, and specifically his delightful company, Mint Mobile. So look, after years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by big wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I first heard that Mint Mobile offers premium wireless starting at just $15 a month, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them and using their service, it all made sense. There isn't a catch. And guys, this is no joke. I have been using Mint Mobile for months now. And on top of the fact that I'm spending literally about one third every month of what I was spending on my former major carrier, I have discovered no decline in my service. I kept my phone number and I was able to keep my phone. The switch from my old service to Mint Mobile couldn't have been easier and saved me more money. And the best part for anybody who just hates their phone bills is that Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for just $15 a month. All of their plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with all your existing contacts. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash campia. That's mintmobile.com slash campia cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash campia and a big thanks to the folks at mint mobile for sponsoring this episode of the john campus show hey guys i'm not joking in it since i switched over like by paying one third of a phone bill that i used to the service is great i didn't have to change my phone or my phone number uh do go and check them out reminder guys the links to all of our sponsors today and the promo codes are down in the description of this video. Go and check those out there. Remember, when you support our sponsors, you're actually supporting us here on the show. All right. With that down, let's get into our main topics here today. And how do we select our main topics here on the John Campus Show? Well, that's simple. You guys come up with our main topics. Whenever you come across a big topic issue or story that you guys feel we need to cover as a main topic here on the show, just go anytime 24-7 to www.thejohncampiashow.com slash contact. Once you guys get there, you're going to see a form. Fill it out with your topic or question. It's absolutely free. Hit submit, and then maybe, just maybe, you might see your submission featured as a main topic here on The John Campia Show. With that down, Chris, what is our first main topic today? Our first topic comes from Patrick Pellegrini. Greetings and salutations. In the wake of the new trailer for Black Panther Wakanda Forever, there is now a fan movement sharing hashtag recast T'Challa and calling for a boycott of the film, as they believe the decision not to recast was disrespectful to both Chadwick Boseman and the character of T'Challa. Honestly, I feel like there was really nothing Marvel could have done that would have been an ideal situation. Anyway, what are y'all's thoughts here, and do you think this could have a significant impact on the film? All right, thanks a lot for sharing that, Patrick. And look, there's a couple things you've got to understand uh, about me. I, I, I'd love to dig up the clip, but I, when they announced Chadwick Boseman was going to be Black Panther, 
I still remember the movie talk we were doing at the time. And I know there were a lot of people going like, who? And it's like, guys, guys, told everybody, listen, if you have not seen, I still think his best performance was Get On Up. Me too. I'm like, if you guys have not seen Get On Up or 43 or, or whatever, this guy is going to be a great Black Panther. He's going to be out. So I, I was thrilled and excited about Chadwick Boseman being Black Panther from the beginning. I also, I'm kind of the grand, grandfather of the whole recast T'Challa movement. I mean, like once the, the initial wave and shock of everything, like the passing of Chadwick happened and people started to discuss again, well, you know, what do we, what do they do now with the Black Panther character? I was one of the first people to say this T'Challa is too important of a character. What Chadwick Boseman did and the work that he did to kind of make this character a part of our zeitgeist is too important. Recast it. Carry it on. That's what you need to do. So before I say what I'm about to say, you've got to understand, number one, I loved Chadwick Boseman as Black Panther. And number two, I completely believe they should have recast. I completely believe they should have continued on with the character of T'Challa and they should have recast. Okay? With that said... This whole idea of boycotting because they didn't recast it is silly. It's it it guys, listen to me. I'm one of you. I believe they should have recast T'Challa to this day. But do you not realize the movie is shot? It's it's done now. The movie's done. There, there's no recasting anybody now. The movie's shot. It's done. But you also, and I've said this before, you this whole idea, because I have heard from people, I have seen people saying that, you know, that it was disrespectful for the, to, for them to carry to uh, to say the character's been killed killed off and and all this kind of nonsense. And the the thing is this: Kevin Feige, more importantly, Ryan Coogler, and people who worked side by side with Chadwick Boseman for years to create this project, this project that really, when people look back on the life and career of Chadwick Boseman, unfortunately, they're not going to look on Get On Up or whatever. They're going to they're gonna think Black Panther. That That's really his legacy, right? These people who worked side by side with Chadwick Boseman and knew him and loved him and helped forge that legacy. If you think for one second you respect Chadwick Boseman more than those people did, you're just as dumb as I look. It, it, I mean, that's a stupid thing to think, to think at all. You don't know and you don't respect Chadwick Boseman as much as those people do, all right? This has never been an issue about respect. And as much as I have completely 100% believed they should have recast T'Challa, I've also been very careful to say, but here's the thing. I know that Ryan Coogler and Kevin Feige are going to make their decisions based on what they think is the most respectful thing to do. I may disagree with what the conclusion is, but I totally know that whatever decision they come to, it'll be it's because what they think is the most respectful. And so when Kevin Feige shortly after the passing of Chadwick Boseman came out and said, we are never going to recast T'Challa. Chadwick Boseman is our T'Challa. He's our king. And so we're not going to recast him. You've got to be a little bit of a fool not to realize that while I may disagree with his conclusion, you've got to be a fool not to recognize that their heart was in the right place, right? We may disagree with the conclusion, but don't for a second think that they were doing out of, uh, they were just trying to cash in on the death of Chadwick Boseman. Guess what? If they did recast it, there would have been a bunch of other people saying they're just cashing in on the death of Chadwick Boseman. I mean, there, it was a no-win situation for them. 
So this whole idea, and listen, I felt the same way about the passing of Carrie Fisher, right? I said from the beginning, Leia is too important. Carrie Fisher has spent like her lifelong legacy building this character. We should, you as a studio should pick up the baton for her and carry it across the finish line with that last one in her name. And it would be better for the movie. It'd be better for, I believe that, but they didn't do it. So when they didn't do it, I got two options. I can whine and cry about it. Or I can say, well, you made the decision. Let's hope the movie's great. And as somebody who is firmly in the camp of they should have recast T'Challa, they didn't. And they didn't for their own reasons, that their heart was completely in the right place. And the movie's now made. And so we can A, whine and bitch and cry about it. Or we can say, okay, they moved forward. Let's move on and let's hope this movie's really great. Because, you know, I saw that Black Panther trailer as somebody who totally believes they should have recast T'Challa, and that trailer's great. So I still believe it would have been the right idea to recast T'Challa, but you know what? They didn't. So now we can either cry like little fucking babies, or we can say they didn't do it. Let's move on. Fingers crossed that this movie's great, and it'll be wonderful. So I, I get it. I, I will lead the charge if they should have recast T'Challa parade. I'll lead that parade. But we also have to wreck this whole idea that, no, now we're going to boycott this movie. That is the worst of fandom. That is misguided at best. And, and, and maybe this discussion could have been brought up while they were, while they were still trying to make their decision, but it's done. So I don't know. That's just, that's just kind of the way I look at it and see it. Uh, Chris, you know, obviously a lot of people, I mean, I want to ask, where were you all those people when they hadn't made up their mind yet? And I was going, yes, recast T'Challa. Everybody stayed quiet about it. But, but we are now, especially after the trailer, a lot of people saying they're, they're, the growing movement of recast T'Challa, even though the movie's already done. But yeah. I don't know, how do you see this? It seems like it's a difficult situation regardless. It absolutely is. And it's, it's far too late to recast. They're not going to do reshoots, right? So, <laughs> be ridiculous. I always thought it was incredibly respectful to not replace T'Challa with the idea of replacing the Black Panther. And I completely understood right. that reasoning, but I also understood why other people thought, no, let's have, you know, T'Challa just be taken on by somebody else the way we've had multiple Batman, multiple Spider-Man. I get both arguments. However, most of the time when people do these kinds of petitions, it's just like internet trolls, right? It's a small but lo loud majority. I don't think most people find this disrespectful and I don't want to put people's opinions in their mouths, but I truly don't think most people are sitting at home going, wow, this was the most dis disrespectful thing they could have done to Chadwick Boseman. What a bunch of dicks. These guys don't have any passion or compassion for him. I don't think anyone actually really believes that except for a very, very small minority. And if you do, hey, you are entitled to your opinion. That's totally, totally fine. I'm not judging that, right? I just don't think that complaining about it in this way does any good you can absolutely have your opinions and your reservations about this film but go see it and see how you feel about it then or when the whole pre-production process was happening then you could have stated your case but right now too little too late by the way little bit of a side note ever since we covered the wong topic everybody in the live chat's been putting their wong puns it's just constant wongs. I, I just read one that said wongconda forever <laughs> I, I, that, that one <laughs> I just kind of like so that one. Easy. Anyway, uh, Rob, I mean, this is uh, I mean, this is an evolving situation we've been talking about, unfortunately, ever since the passing of Chadwick Boseman. But what do you make of this? Well, I, I guess I feel differently in the sense that when I, I think when an iconic 
character or the actor that plays an iconic character passes on. I like the idea that if they're going to continue the story of, like in the case here, Wakanda itself, that they incorporate that person's passing into the story because that's life, you know? And I, 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 with, you know, my beloved, I'll bring up my two favorite words, Star Trek. Uh, when you see Captain James Tiberius Kirk began, Shatner began playing Kirk in 1966. His character died in 1994's Generations. Right. That was almost, he almost played that character for 30 years. And we saw the fact that he got older and being middle-aged was incorporated into the character itself, you know, in Star Trek II getting older, having to wear glasses and all that. And then he finally dies in Generations. I, you know, for me as a person that watched this franchise my entire life, I I had to, you had to go through that. You had to go through the death of that character and, and give it up. And in a way, it kind of helps people grow. Now, I would love to have seen Chad Bozeman play this part for 30 years. You know, I'd love to see him age into the role. I would love to have seen a, 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 a T'Challa who was, bearded and you know grizzled and battle see hard. t'challa become t'chaka i mean yeah, yeah because, absolutely and and we're not going to do that and barring that i think they made the right choice because while i think obviously I've, I've been a james bond fan they've recast that character but to see to see what they're going to do i thought this trailer i was so curious john about what they were what, what were they going to do and it looks like they're giving us a great story and that's all I want from these things is a great story. Rather than having an iconic character come back, if the story of what happens in Wakanda forever carries forth the MCU, carries forth the story of Wakanda, and then carries forth the legacy of Chad Bozeman himself, aren't we better off? I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, to me, the, the character of T'Challa is such an important character, and the fact that he only got his one movie... I really just thought the character should have been carrying, but uh, but to your point, they didn't, and it's now and and we got a great trailer, and it's time to just move on. It's time to move on. now. Do I still hope that they, because this is the Marvel fake death universe, right? Do I still hope at some point in later movies, say T'Challa is back and it's played by a different? Absolutely, I do, and I will hold on to that. But for this movie, this idea of they didn't do what I wanted them to do, boycott it. I. I, I I just cannot be there with you on that. But it's also, you know, it's, to me, it also flies in the face of all these very talented professionals. Like mm -hmm. you pointed out earlier, yeah. you've got, you think those people that made Wakanda forever aren't thinking we must do the best job that we can do. I mean, it's such a weird thing to me that somebody would, would look, if something comes out and it's not good, then pillory at all you want online. But it looks to me that the utmost respect and effort has been put forward to make sure that the legacy of Chad Bozeman and then also the story of Wakanda is being moved forward in grand fashion. Let me ask you theoretical. Let's say they did what I think they should have done and they had recast Chadwick Bozeman. Do you think today we would be facing a lot of backlash people saying boycott this movie because you shouldn't have recast I think there clearly would have Absolutely. been. I think it's a lose-lose. Yeah, I, it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't do situation. And I, I don't know how long old this petition is too, but I, I am wondering after the Lego news too, does does this have to do with a woman being Black Panther too, if, if that's an issue? I don't want to put people's like thoughts and opinions out there and tell them what they're thinking, but I'm wondering if that's some backlash from that potential news of going, oh, I don't want Shuri to be my Black Panther, Boycott this film. That's I mean, disrespectful. We have been hearing the, the, the hashtag Recaster Child has been around for a bit. Yeah. But I mean, there, there could be some of that too. Anyway, guys, question is for you. 
What do you think about this? Ultimately, what do you think they should have done? But now that what they were going to do is done, what should our response to it be moving forward? I've told you what my thoughts are. What are yours? Whatever your thoughts are, jump down to the comment section below and leave those thoughts there. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to main topic number two. Chris, what is our second main topic today? Our second topic comes from Michael D. Wilson. Hey, John. So after missing a few years of Comic-Con, uh, after missing a few years, Comic-Con returned. I flew down from Vancouver for it with my wife. And in general, we had a really good time. But there are a few problems that still linger. We weren't able to get into Hall H for the big Saturday panels. Trying to find a place to eat at mealtimes was an adventure in itself. And we weren't able to get a hotel remotely and even then uh, remotely close. And even then it was super expensive. The convention floor was claustrophobic to an extreme. We still had a good time. But how can they address these issues to make going more enjoyable? You know, it's a, become an annual tradition for for me to for as somebody who loves Comic-Con. For me to talk about all the things wrong with Comic-Con as, as something that I love. Comic-Con is something that I love. But every year, I feel like sometime after Comic-Con, we got... And, and thank you for sending in that. Uh, and I'm glad you had a great time. You know, Ann and I, we weren't going to, but uh, me and Ray, we decided to shoot down to San Diego for the day and spend a day at Comic-Con and uh, enjoyed myself very much. Ray came back with a really nice art print, actually. But there are some lasting problems that have been around for a long time when it comes to San Diego Comic-Con that I think hurts... The, I mean, obviously, everybody has a good time, but there are things that hurt the experience where it could have been better. So let's for a second jump into the Campia classroom. Okay, if we look at this, that there are problems. Jonathan? Yeah. Okay, okay, so he's got it. So that there are some problems with the notion of, of Comic-Con and what happens there. Like you said, um, we're going to go hotels, huge problem. Meals, huge problem. Uh, cr uh, crowds. Massive problem. Uh, trans transportation. Because a, a lot of people, most people can't be close to the gas lamp district where the convention center is. And you try to get into town there unless you're on a trolley line, which is awesome if you are. But it, it's difficult getting in and around and, and all that kind of stuff. And of course, Hall H, the big events happen in Hall H. And we, of course, have discussed this about Hey, and the 150,000 people that will go to Comic-Con, less than 5% of them actually get into Hall H. Less than 5%. That means over 95% of the people who made the trek down to Comic-Con will not be able to be in that room when those presentations are done. And that is a problem. So what are some of the solutions? Okay, so, so let's do this. I want to propose a couple. So first solution is this. Um, we've talked about this the other day. Petco Park, you know, if you're going to keep San Diego Comic-Con in San Diego, right across the street from the convention center, right across the street from the convention center is a baseball stadium, Petco Park, which I believe holds like what, 45,000 people. I, I don't know the exact number of people it can hold, but instead of a place that can hold maybe 5% of the people there, you could hold probably 40% of the people there or 35% of the people there. Basically saying, if you have a Hall H thing you want to go to, if it's in Petco Park instead of in Hall H, you're probably going to be able to get into it. And you could sell tickets just to that event. And you could sell tickets to that. Like, okay, you got your pass, an additional $5, $10, you can get in there. So, uh, also, ensuring that if you really want to go, you'll be able to go. 
So in that's, addition, uh, you wouldn't really have to leave either because the the stadium could open up their concessions, restaurants, everything. Yeah, exactly. So now that offers, and I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, that offers more food options, less traffic in trying to get, because you go to one of those gas lamp restaurants and there's some great places to eat in gas lamp. You try going to eat between 12 and 1 o'clock. It's, it's an adventure trying to get something to eat around there. But again, it opens up more food options, more restrooms, all that kind of stuff. You have this huge place where you can do all this kind of stuff. It's a great idea. Now, obviously, some people bring up the question of weather. This is California. It very rarely is there weather. And, and if there is, okay, on the on the 5% chance that you might catch a rainy day. All right, well, in that case, you put it in, in the program that, hey, we may need to move this inside into Hall H, in which case, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so you deal with it there. You deal with the logistics. But I would say one is Peco Park. Number two is Las Vegas. Move, I've been I have been preaching the gospel of move Comic-Con to Las Vegas. Now, somebody said, well, John, there is a Comic-Con in Las Vegas. Yeah, but not the Comic-Con. You move Comic-Con to Las Vegas, and you will have a much better experience. Number one, hotels. No problem. No problem. Uh, you know, Las Vegas hosts CES every year, which is triple the size of Comic-Con. No problem. You will never have a problem getting a hotel room. Never having a problem getting a hotel room. And more importantly, you won't have to pay $700 a night for a hotel room for one that's close to your convention center. So that number one, much you don't have to enter a lottery. This is how bad it is in San Diego Comic-Con. You have to put yourself in a lottery to see if you get a hotel room that's down in the gas lamp. That's, that's even remotely close. So there's that. Uh, transportation. Their, their cab system and their Uber system right now is such a well-oiled machine. You can get from anywhere in Vegas to anywhere in Vegas uh, with no problems. Uh, with no problems at all. Next, uh, convention center. The convention center in Las Vegas is triple the size of the convention center in San Diego. That means, number one, you can have more exhibitors, more artists, more creators. You can have like the things you're really going to see, like Netflix's booth can be bigger and larger. And you can double the size of the walkways that people are walking down so that when you're in the convention floor, you're not doing eh, eh, and smelling every Larry that came in from Chicago and hasn't bathed in three days. I mean, you're not like walking like this through. You have so much more room for people to comfortably enjoy their time on the convention floor with more exhibitors, with more things to see and touch and buy and whatever. I mean, it would be absolutely fantastic. Uh, next up, you have, well, the convention center ballrooms are bigger, but just like San Diego would have Petco, they would have the... Um, what is the name of it again? The name of the phone company. AT&T or? No, the, the, the arena Verizon. is. Ver, no, not Verizon. T-Mobile. T-Mobile. Thank you. Uh, the T-Mobile Center. You know, over 20,000 people. They have all the big UFC events there. The, the Las Vegas Golden Knights play there. It's right down there in the heart of Las Vegas. So you can do your special Hall H stuff in there. People can get in there. It's got a cover. It's got a roof. So no weather problems or anything like that. Excellent. Eating in Las Vegas, you will have no problem. I mean, unless you want to go to the unless you want to go to the top restaurants, 
uh, that that'll be a little difficult. But that's a little. But there's a million places to eat, and some of the world's greatest food. Some of the world's greatest food is in Las Vegas. So there's all that. It's just so if you want the big thing, I think you're new. If you're going to keep it in San Diego, you can't add more hotels. The, the hotels are there. You can't add more roads. You, they're there. You can't make the convention center bigger. So it is what it is. But if you moved Hall H into Petco, giving more people exposure to the big events, the Marvel panel, the Warner Brothers DC panel, you know, the Game of Thrones panel, they get to go see that. I think that, but other than that, move this damn thing out of Vegas. There's just a million pros to one. A lot of people say to me, but it's too hot in Vegas. Oh, it's hot in Vegas. It really is. It's hot but, in San Diego and humid. Yeah. Well, yeah, very humid, but it's, it's got the marina the a little bit more moderate, a little bit more moderate in San Diego. But here's the thing. It's like, but there are so many positives that, yeah, it'll, it'll be hotter in Vegas. But guess what? That's like saying, you know what? I really like that Lamborghini, but I'm going to keep driving my Prius because the, the steering wheel feels better. Okay, yeah, the steering wheel feels better, but look at all the other advantages. Anyway, that's me. Rob, we all love Comic-Con. You've been going for decades. I mean, you love, love, love Comic-Con, but it's not without its shortcomings. How can they improve this event to make it even better for people? First of all, I like my Prius Prime. <laughs> oh, that's right. I just want to do so, so, it's a good-looking um, car. Yeah, it's smart. Too. And yeah. it's a smooth, it's a, it's a lovely ride. Car. It is a lovely ride. I've ridden in your it's car. A, yeah, it's a lovely ride. It is a ride. lovely ride. It's got a great steering wheel. No, but I, I think what you I think that um I think that um today's show brought to you by uh look, I I've been going to Comic Con since nineteen eighty eight. And part of the great appeal to me is San Diego. However I for, love San Diego, it's great. For most of my time, up until the aughts, it used to be you could drift in and out of panels. Yeah. It was very casual. It was very relaxed. It is no longer relaxed. It, everything about it, from getting passes to pro badges to going to get food to walking to the gas lamp and back and forth has become less fun. Sure. I still have a great time. Uh, my great experience was we had a, we got an Airbnb, Elizabeth and I and Sophie. We got an Airbnb, the last Comic-Con in 2019. Which was great. 2018, I think. Uh, yeah, maybe yeah, yeah. It was great. It was very close to Petco Park, Sky's apartment. We met him. A lot of people do this in San Diego. I'd never thought about that because I was always staying at the Marriott. It was great. But it's gotten to the point where I would like to I would like to just drift into Hall H. You can't do that no. anymore. And I don't like that. I don't like that when you go to a convention, you now are excluded from events that you want to go to. And now it's not just all H it's television panels. Yeah. They're very, you know, animation panels. People can't get into what they want to see. And that is it. it Comic-Con is, is not the, the, the air of exclusivity in terms of once you get there, we shouldn't have that. I mean, if you're going to Comic-Con, if you're a parent that's taking your kids there for the first time and you can't go see your favorite animation panel, cause it's too packed. And now lots of the panels they get fold up. The fire marshal says, can't go in. And you're stopped. That's a problem. And even I, John, I used to be like, it wouldn't be Comic-Con if it wasn't in San Diego. Even I have to admit, it might be better. The only thing I dread would be the drive from L.A. to Vegas. I imagine it would take 12 hours. 
because everybody would be going. Just do what I do. Go a day or two early. Yeah, you can go early or, <laughs> or go, in the, go at you take four the in the train. morning. Or take the train the or train fly. The train is beautiful. Yeah. I and mean, then you that's... don't pay $45 well, parking every day. I don't think there day. is a train to take from L.A. to Vegas. But you can oh, just not hop, to Vegas, to San Diego. You just hop on, hop on a plane and be there in 40 minutes. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the way I, mean. I do Vegas. That, yeah, yeah, that's what I would do. But I, I think the time has come. Wow. I, I'll be honest with you. I'm stunned. I'm you stunned know, hearing you say that. I really am. Why you pull off that Band-Aid, Rob, and then you're just there. You're like... Bruh, this is so much better. <laughs> well, the thing is, I just love, I oh, love San Diego. I love the waterfront. It's the Marriott. You know, I love so it beautiful. down there. But but this time I didn't even get to enjoy. I was only there for admittedly one day. But it, it, I would miss San Diego. I'd miss the gas lamp and all that. But mm-hmm. it's now, I can't, when I can't get into events I would like to maybe have seen. It's no fun. It's no fun for me Yeah. anymore. Chris, you know, as as somebody who loves this type of stuff, I, I mean, and, you know, you, you San Diego, you've been to Vegas. Like, I don't know. What are some solutions to maybe fix some of these problems, whether it's solutions that include staying in San Diego or good reasons to leave San Diego? What I mean, do you think? I really do love the Petco Park idea. I think that's great. I am. I don't know if you guys know this about me. I am horrifically claustrophobic. And so the last few years of Comic-Con, I have not gone into the convention center, even when I've gotten a professional badge. I have stayed on the outside. I've done a whole bunch of the tertiary things because I had a horrible panic attack back in 2016 because I couldn't find an exit and I couldn't move. I was just a fish going upstream. Yeah. And I, it was so uncomfortable for me. And I never have that feeling in Vegas. Even when we had so many people at CinemaCon, I never felt overcrowded or overwhelmed, which is wild because it's such a sensory overload, but they've spaced everything out so beautifully in Vegas that you don't have that feeling. I also, I don't want to, I don't want to line up for 48 hours for Hall H. I really don't. And I don't want to have to camp out in there. There are people who will be like, I got my depends. Let's do this all day. I don't want to do that. Because how much stuff are you missing out on by just fitting in that line? Exactly. And and while it's so cool to be in Hall H, and I commend everyone who makes it in there and toughs it out and gets to be there all day and watch those panels, it does suck that you have to make these really hard choices of what you're going to do. So I totally understand the Vegas aspect. I just... You know, people in the chat pointed out, you know, it's it's part of a California nonprofit. And... I would love for this to stay a California thing, a San Diego thing. I love taking the train to San Diego. I love getting to go to the Tipsy Crow, going to Underbelly Ramen, having a really good time. But it's just, it's so, it doesn't have the infrastructure as they're doing it right now to hold all these people. And you don't have the time that you could have somewhere else. Yeah. And listen, I need to point out, Ann and I, at least three times a year, we just hop in the car and drive down to San Diego for the weekend. I mean, we love San Diego. It's great. Love it. But it's, I know what I'd say, right? Um, for some reason, the Vegas thing, I, I don't know how they set it up, but I just feel that crowd along with the usual Vegas crowd, it'd just be uh, maybe dangerous, I guess, in a way. No, no, I like don't... I said, CES is triple the size of Comic-Con, but, but and we're it, you never in, feel it. We're bringing in cosplay, kids, small kids to a Vegas where smoke is everywhere. People are smoking on Everywhere's the Everywhere's not smoking now. I'm just I'm just saying like Vegas seems like a- <laughs> Then don't bring your kids. I mean, uh, San Diego seems like a- <laughs> But I mean, it's like, like, it's like a but kid's But for the thing past now. 15 years, they transitioned, I mean, like for the last 15 years, they've transitioned Las Vegas from Sin City into a family destination yeah, where true. people bring families bring and everything. Um, I just think they should just need to uh, uh, make it longer. If San Diego could afford it, maybe make it last a whole week. So people aren't in a rush just to come in that weekend. People could see everything throughout the week who don't. Right, but everybody's you know? going to want to come when the Marvel and DC panel is. Oh, right? if that's uh, that. Someone said something in the chat where maybe they really do need to start 
bringing out tickets with people's names on them that win a lottery to get into those things. Um, I mean, it'll be a, a lot more fair than someone who's willing to sit out there for 14 days or whatever. But I mean, the lottery, sorry, this just made me think of too, the hotel situation as well in San Diego. When you are press or talent or anything like that, you join that lottery to even get a hotel in the yeah. area. So even the people who are doing panels are fighting for hotels. So how hard is it for the average person then to get a hotel? Mm -hmm. Especially if you bring your kids, you don't want them schlepping two miles on foot every single day. I was going to mention also that while I don't, I'm a capitalist at heart, the hotel situation, it's not just that there aren't enough hotel rooms. The hotel rooms that there are, they, the prices have sky. They Supply gouge. and demand, man. It's I, so high. It's, it's so high there. And, and look, God bless everybody for getting paid. But it's gotten so extreme. I mean, Comic-Con is still a family event, ultimately. It is a nonprofit. And I have to say, they have done a, a, a bang-up job. Kudos to San Diego and the entire team that puts that convention on. They have done a bang-up job coping with the people. Mm -hmm. But, man, it's, it's, it's gotten – even that, it's gotten so expensive that it's, it's become a luxury event. And it's Comic-Con. Yeah. Uh, anyway, guys, this is a discussion that happens every year, and I'm sure we'll do it again next year. And anyway, what do you guys think? What are ways? Maybe there's some other drawbacks, like some some hindrances, some pains in the ass of Comic Con that we didn't even bring up. What are some creative solutions that maybe you have? Both solutions while staying in San Diego, and maybe solutions about why moving out of San Diego. Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys, with that down, let's take a second and thank another sponsor of today's show, the folks doing good work over at BetterHelp. Hey, guys, we want to take a second and thank the sponsor of this video, BetterHelp. You know, in the age of social media, you might think that everybody's life except yours is perfect because everybody always posts the best memories, the most glamorous shots. But you and I both know that's not how life is. We get pitched some serious curveballs, and sometimes it seems like a lot of them. And, you know, we always encourage each other to get out there and to get into better physical health, going to the gym and eating right. But it's about time we started paying more attention to our mental health as well. And that's where our friends at BetterHelp come in. Because see, BetterHelp is not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional therapy done securely online, available to people worldwide. You can log on to your account anytime and send private messages to your therapist, or you can schedule weekly or phone-only sessions if you're one of those people that's not really comfortable being on camera. And getting therapy every week is as easy as just a few clicks on your laptop or phone. It is time to invest in your own mental health, and BetterHelp is a great way to invest in yourself. And right now, they have a special offer for all of the John Campy Show listeners to get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash Campia. That's 10% off your first month of online therapy at BetterHelp.com slash Campia. And thank you to our friends at BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode of the John Campia Show. All right, guys, with that down, let's get on to main topic number three. Chris, what is our third main topic today? This one comes from Antagonistic Anonymous. Oh, wait, no, I'm on topic four. Shoot, I said it with such conviction. This is from Vinny P130. So apparently there's a trailer out for a prequel to Ty West's A24 horror movie X titled Pearl. I had no idea that this movie was coming out or didn't even think they would do a continuation of X and it's coming out in September. I really enjoyed X. I thought it was cool little horror movie done in a grindhouse style. Ty West is coming back to direct the prequel, which will go into more detail about the character Pearl, who's played again by Mia Goth. Did you happen to see this trailer? And if you did, what did you think of it? All right. Thanks for sending that in, Vinny. And yeah, like Rob actually brought up the trailer for Pearl to me yesterday. And I had no idea that movie was being made. 
<laughs> and and it's, it's very, very rare. Like, there's a lot of times a trailer come out and go, wow, I totally forgot about the movie. I had no idea this movie was being made. I just did not know. Total surprise. And I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't love X. I actually walked out of X. That's what I thought. Um, and I love Filthy. I love the Filthy. But I... I walked I love out how you of said it. That. Yeah, I really, really, really do. But I, I walked out of the film. But uh, whatever. A lot of people did really like it, though, and and a lot of people enjoyed it. But I still, I never would have dreamed they would do another one, let alone a prequel to the old lady character, which, which was a pretty freaky character. Like I have to acknowledge that. So that's kind of cool that they did that. Anyway, trailer drops, and it's an interesting trailer. I particularly love like she's looking at porn and she's like is this legal? He's like, it will be, uh, which <laughs> it was an interesting trailer, but I was surprised they're doing it. Actually, this comes to us from the folks over at variety who wrote the following. They said this, the upcoming horror film, once again, directed and written by West is set to follow Mia Goth's character, Pearl from X. Pearl is disturbed and murderous old woman in the original film, and the new prequel is set to follow a younger version of the character. The new film marks the first signs of an X franchise, an unexpected yet welcome move from A24 and West. I'm trying to build a world out of all of this, like people do these days, West previously said in an interview with IndieWire. You can't make a slasher movie without a bunch of sequels. <laughs> and sure enough, here we go. This one's a prequel. Listen, I, I wasn't a big fan of X, but I will say this trailer was interesting to me. Rob, what did you think of it? You know, I thought the trailer was pretty bonkers. And I really loved the trailer. And I finally got around to seeing X. And I, I, I have to say... I like Ty West's movies. I mean, I first, I think I came to see him when I watched House of the Devil. But in a way, they're kind of an amalgamation of other things that you've seen before with a new spin put on them. I like his work. I don't, it, it, I don't love him the way I love other filmmakers, but I like what he's doing here. And I think it's pretty interesting. <laughs> I looked at the trailer and I thought it's pretty cheeky. And it certainly promises some really disturbing imagery, which, hey, I, that's... I love my horror to be really as disturbing as possible. Bring it in. Bring bring it. I really wanted to delve into the depravity and the darkness of the human soul. And this looks like it does. Chris, what do you think? Um, I mean, obviously, this is a movie I'm not going to see. But, but <laughs> obviously. Now. I really, really enjoyed the bad seed kind of vibe to this. Right. If you guys remember this old black and white film, uh, there's this great moment on the dock where someone who drowned, they find little half crescent moon uh, wounds on their hands. It's because the little girl tap danced on their feet till they would let go of the dock and they die. And this has all that kind of iconography. I love the whole like coming now in Technicolor. All of this is beautifully styled. It seems real, real messed up. If you're into this kind of horror, it's going to be fun, I think. All right, guys, question is for you. Did you see X? Did, were you one of the many people who really liked it? If so, are you excited about this Pearl movie? Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and leave your thoughts there. Okay, guys, with that down, let's move on to our fourth and final main topic today. Chris, what is our fourth main topic today? The Antagonistic Anonymous. <laughs> In a recent interview with The Hollywood Reporter, Kevin Feige has confirmed that the Fantastic Four film will not be an origin story. He explained that the audience is already familiar with their origin story and are aware of the basics of the team. John, to me, this implies that Fantastic Four might already exist with the MCU. However, this leads to one main question. Where have they been? All right, thanks for sending that in. And okay, so there was this interview by Kevin Feige where he said a bunch of things, but he did not say that the Fantastic Four was not going to have an origin story in it. 
now look, it, it, that might be the case. That might be the case. But it looks to me like this is somebody interpreted that's what Kevin Feige was saying, put it in their headline, and now everybody's kind of running with that. Now, again, they might be 100% right. I, I'm not saying it is or is not. But let's go over and see what was actually said. This comes to us from the folks over at The Hollywood Reporter said this. Over at Fox, Fantastic Four previously had a pair of Chris Evans starring films in the aughts, as well as a disastrous box office miss in 2015 from director Josh Trank. Feige compared Marvel's new take on the heroes to its pact with Sony to bring Spider-Man into the MCU, noting that this will not be another origin story. Now, notice this. Kevin Feige didn't say that. That is the Hollywood or that is, uh, yeah, the Hollywood Reporter kind of interpreting that, saying, uh, noting that this will not be another origin story. Now, here's what Kevin Feige actually said. A lot of people know this origin story. A lot of people know the basics. How do we take that and bring something that they've never seen before? Said Feige, who added that given the super team launched the Marvel Comics universe back in 1961, we've set a very high bar for ourselves with bringing that to the screen. All right, so again, let me keep that up. Let me just read this first. Again, this is what Feige said. A lot of people know this origin story. A lot of people know the basics. How do we take that and bring something that they've never seen before? Now, it is possible that Kevin Feige said to the Hollywood Reporter director, yeah, we're not doing an origin story. It's possible he said that, but that's not what's in Kevin Feige's quote. He said, how do we top that? Now, that... That, to me, does not necessarily mean he's saying we're not going to do an origin story. Because, I mean, the Fantastic Four, yeah, there have been a couple of iterations that not a lot of people have seen. I still don't think there's a lot of the general movie-going audience who do know the origin. This isn't Batman, right? Whereas all the, even the most casual moviegoer, they know the origins of Batman. They know the origins of Superman. I don't know if a whole ton of the average movie going on knows the origin of Fantastic Four. So let's go. I, again, I'm saying I'm not 100% convinced Kevin Feige was saying that there's not going to be an origin story, but let's for a second assume that there's not going to be. That's an interesting decision because as you wrote it, Anonymous, it does raise a question. Well, where have they been? If this isn't an origin story of the Fantastic Four, where are you saying that the Fantastic have been this whole time? Now, you could say they've been caught in the in a quantum realm. Okay, but wouldn't that even itself kind of be an origin story in a way? So if Kevin Feige is saying that this isn't going to be an origin story, I, I like the idea of just jumping right into the story. But yeah, there's a certain number of things that then have to be explained. I wonder, though, if he was actually saying that and if we aren't going to actually get an origin story. Again, I'm a little bit unclear that I'm not taking a side one way or the other right now. I got to get more information. But, Rob, let me ask you that. If Kevin Feige is indeed saying that there is not going to be an origin story in this new Fantastic Four movie, does that not present a couple of problems? And Or how can they easily get around it? What do you think? You know, I don't know because, you know, we didn't really see Tom Holland's Spider-Man origin and we didn't see Thor's origin. You know, in the MCU, we just kind of knew who they were. But isn't there a fundamental difference between like the Spider-Man situation, which already had two different iterations in the past just couple of years that many, 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 yeah. many, many people did see. And Spider-Man's one, one of the most popular comic book characters in the world. And everybody it's knows true. he got bit by a radioactive spider. It's a song from the 1960s telling you. Uh, yeah. but, but, I, but I think that, that people can infer, like, do we actually, to me, the thing about Fantastic Four, I think part of the problem is 
the origin story sort of hampers the rest of the movie because mm. then you're locked in to telling a story about, well, they're going to go into space and they're going to get hit by gamma radiation. Then you have to watch Ben Grimm deal with becoming the thing. And, you know, everybody learns their powers. To me, like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, even if you don't know the Fantastic Four, you can infer mm. all of this stuff. Okay. And, but here's what I, I think the point that you made, though, is more interesting. Where have they been? And I'm like, if they can incorporate that into like, you know, if you look at the cosmic the what 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 John Byrne did with the Fantastic Four in the eighties, really there's a lot of interesting stuff there. And what happens if the movie opens where boom, the fantastic car or whatever comes through some portal and they're all looking around like, where's the Baxter building? You know, and the fan and, and the Fantastic Four are looking around going, what the where the hell are we? So you're talking about them incorporating the whole multiverse thing into this, that they just literally come from Earth seven two five or something. Uh, yeah, like yeah. And like and they don't even know why we're, we're, we're this is our home earth, but nobody knows who we are. What the hell? And incorporate that into whatever shenanigans because they say that they're gonna do, introduce them in phase five or at the beginning of phase where they, they're they're not beginning coming, of phase six. Okay, so they're coming we're yeah, gonna have a lot six. of multiverse shenanigans going on. Right. And and if they were to just show up, you know, and, and somehow incorporated it with Kang and Galactus and everybody would get it. You know, I think people would get it and suddenly it would just be boom and you're off to the races. So I, I agree. I think the multiversal thing that this is the Fantastic Four from this is a team of heroes from another universe. No, no origin story necessary. Don't have to ask the question about where they've been. So that would be an obvious or, solution. Yeah. Or they could just say you could see you, you incorporate it into a flashback. From our universe, and they were there, but they had to leave to preserve the timeline, and like they were erased from existence. And then they come back to our timeline, and nobody knows who they are because they already they already saved our world, but we've forgotten because the timeline changed. That's an interesting way to approach it, you know. It. And, the, and so when they come back, no one knows who they are. I like that. <laughs> I, mean, I like that. You know, so. yeah. Chris, what do you think? What I would really like is if we have them peppered in throughout the stories, right? We just maybe have in the background some news footage happening about a troubled space mission. Maybe cameras getting out of their face where they're like, Ben Grimm cannot talk at this time or make a statement. He is in uh, you know critical condition. And then we have this buildup because it's a team of scientists, right? who have been testing the limits of their powers. We're not going to go out into the field until we know how these things work, you guys. Yep. And then you have Johnny Storm chip on his shoulder going, you have kept me on the sidelines for far too long. Look at what's happening to our world. Look at what's happening. You're such a coward, Reed. I want to get out there and you can't stop me. And I think that creates a really fun family that tension. That is another great idea. The, the idea that they discovered their powers but mm -hmm. just kept it to themselves. Yeah. That's another option. Or they're, they're lo they launched right before the Thanos situation. You know, and they, they went on the space mission that we haven't heard about. It was because why would we? We're, oh. We've been focused on superheroes. So their mission went up. Mission control right, right, got snapped. Right before or, or when they came back, they might have all got snapped. Or somebody, Come somebody back in been, the middle of a, of a radiation storm. Yeah. yeah. Ooh. I mean, okay. That's or maybe, maybe, listen to us coming up with maybe some the yes. actual radiation storm happened when Thanos snapped his finger because they talked about rocket showed that this energy. How 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 interesting would it have been that they launched, and when the finger was snapped, their ship was. But still, wouldn't that kind of be an origin story? Well, yeah, but it would. But it wouldn't. They wouldn't have to get in. I mean, you, right? You, you, you meet have to them get after the, the fact, yeah. like right. afterwards, and you'd hear that within the. You wouldn't have to see it. You could hear about it yeah. later. Yeah. 
All right, guys, the question is for you. By the way, we all just got paid by Marvel. Yeah, I got <laughs> up, wrote up all these scenarios. Things. What do you Write think about this? Number one, do you think Feige was indeed actually saying, I think it's a 50-50 thing. Do you think he was actually saying there isn't going to be an origin story? Because I'm still not 100% sure about that. But whatever, maybe it was. And if he was, what do you see as some creative solutions to address the problem of, well, where have they been this whole time? Whatever your ideas are, jump on down to the comment section below and leave your thoughts there. Okay, guys, with all of our main topics down, we are now going to open up the Super Chats. If you've got a thought, idea, comment, theory, question that you would like us to address, time to start firing those in. Try not to make it a three- or four-part question because that's probably not going to get through. We only leave the window open for a few minutes, so go ahead and start shooting those in now. But before we get to those, we want to thank the people because, hell, if I go through a radiation storm and get big superpowers, I want to be wearing me undies. So let's hear from them right now. Hey guys, we want to take a second and thank the sponsor of this episode, MeUndies. Now you guys have heard us talk about MeUndies, the legendary underwear brand that has totally taken over the podcasting world. And guys, I have been wearing MeUndies for the last couple of months, and I can honestly tell you it changes your day when you start off your day by putting on a pair of the most comfortable underwear you've ever worn, knowing that you're going to be walking and comfort all day in MeUndies. Everyone knows MeUndies for their super soft undies and comfy bralettes, but did you know that they make other stuff too? We're talking durable, cushy socks that will make your feet sing. We're talking super stretchy loungewear. We're talking daily tees, shorts, and rompers that add a little silky softness to your everyday. They even make hoodies for your dog so you can match every important person in your life. Available in sizes of extra small to 4XL and tons of colors and prints, make MeUndies your destination for all things soft and sustainable. MeUndies has a great offer for John Campus Show listeners. For any first-time purchasers, you get 20% off plus free shipping shipping and returns. To get 20% off your first order, free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee, go to meundies.com/campia. That's meundies.com/campia. And thank you to Me Undies for making my ass so damn comfy and for sponsoring this episode That's of the John Campia show. All right guys, with that down, now let's hear what you guys have to say. We're going to start with our channel members. So Ray, what have our channel members been asking? All right, my comic planet says about the NC17 for Blonde, the director confirmed there's a difficult assault scene pulled straight from Joyce Oates' book. He also described the film as demanding. This is going to be a hard movie to watch. Yeah, I mean they did ex we we remember that we talked about that story in the show that they did say that you know there's going to be a couple of these scenes but is that the exclusive reason why it's NC-17 or is there a lot more to it? We'll find that out. All right, what's next? Um, so we got one from Matt G. Is Henry Cavill following Alan Horn on Instagram yet? <laughs> I mean, let's, <laughs> let's see what happens. It could be delicious. All right, what's next? Um, we got one from Dante Sarakia. Hi, all. I just want to thank you all for the show and your hard work. I'm doing... I'm doing the thing. I'm getting off my ass to create a board game. Woohoo! I've just finished the rules and started the prototype. Love ya. Okay, that, dear, listen, seriously, I'm always telling people, if you want to start doing something, stop talking about it and start doing it. You cannot steer a parked car. I'm glad that you're doing that. That's awesome. Keep us updated, man. All right, what's next? Je Jedi. Jedediah? Jedediah? Yeah, Jedediah says, hey, Camp Your Crew, congrats on 300K subs. Any plans for Holly... Harley Quinn season three after show. Also, what makes Feige think we know Fantastic Four origins from bad movies? Well, I'll address the one question. Um, no, no plans to do a Harley Quinn after show because 
all that after show is, wasn't that joke funny? And wasn't that joke funny? I, I don't know. It's hard just to do after shows of just pure comedies. It's it's really challenging. So right. listen, I won't say 100% no. I'll say I doubt it, but I don't know. Who knows? All right, what's next? Okay, S Beam says, Hot Toys latest summer showcase has dropped. Robocop 3, Iron Man MK, uh, Mark 3, Mighty Thor, Obi-Wan Vader, and Toby Spider-Man from No Way Home. If How you could only you choose Rob? one, which one would you get? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I'll, I mean, I, they're all pretty good. I don't think I'm gonna. Uh, I don't know. You're trying to. to, I'm to, trying to you're trying to wean yourself off of buying. Yeah, see, I have a <laughs> Spider-Man three Tobey Maguire figure, but it doesn't have the face sculpt. All right, okay. what's next? Frankie Gouge says, throwing this out: a complete mutant story. Mutants start showing up. Public scared. D O D C. In the Department of Damage Control. Oh yeah, camps. Magneto rises from these camps. Seems like we. We will mutants long time before actual X-Men. Yeah, no, I, 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 again, it just creates that problem of you're taking away a lot of the heart and soul of what the story and mythology of X-Men are. Again, there is, I don't have a better solution because there's no solution I've, I've heard or have, can come up with that isn't fraught with some major issues. So yeah. let's see what Kevin Feige does with it. All right, okay, Aiden Foley says, member for four months, love this channel so much. Thank you, Aiden. I love all you guys. I've never had a YouTube channel feel like a part of my family. Thank you, guys. So much for many years of great movie news, reviews, and fun banter. Aw, thank you so much, man. And thank you for being a member. And thank you for being a member for that long. And you've been around a lot longer since you've been, before you became a member. So thank you so much for the kind words, man. We really appreciate that. And it's good to have you here. All right, what's next? We got one from Irene Jobson. She says, Ellie's sixth birthday today. And my nephew has officially won a gold and silver medal at the Junior Olympics in weapons karate. Also, wow. thank you all for being amazing. Aww. Well, Congratulations to him. That's amazing. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. very cool. That's, <laughs> Your that's nephew's going to fight Alan Horn. <laughs> yeah, that, they can actually go. That's yeah. the thing now. If you want to work at Warner Brothers, you must pass a you trial of combat now, by yeah. fighting Alan mm -hmm. Horn. So you've got, that is awesome. Congrats. Raising that I kid right. I say something real quick, John. Did you see the John Wick 4 trailer yet? Yes, I did. Because I just heard weapons, and that's all I could think of, especially it, that last it's part. It's great. It feels very John Wick-ish. Okay. Um, Alan Ling says, hey, John and crew, how are you guys? So I've seen articles about the Ant-Man trailer being leaked. When do you think we'll get the trailer? Also, how do you guys like Alamo Drafthouse as a theater? Uh, well, again, we'll stick with the one question. I, I, I don't know. I mean, look, they will release that that thing sooner rather than later. Marvel has a, a habit of doing a smart thing, which is if they know something has leaked or is a, or is going to be leaked, they try to get out ahead of it. So I would expect sooner rather than later we'll get that footage online. All right, what's next? Corey Fraser writes, hey, John, love the show. I'd prefer Fantastic Four to be introduced in Ant-Man 3 and let that 1960 line in Doctor Strange have meaning. I honestly don't. I don't want Fantastic Four introduced in somebody else's movie. I, I, I really think you introduce. I, I would personally, I'm not saying this is what they're going to do. I'm saying I would personally just like a characters as significant as that just be introduced in their own movie the way they are. Just like Shang-Chi was introduced in his own movie. I just wanted him to do it that way. But who knows? They very well may. I doubt it, though, because that movie's already shot, and uh, we would have known who's been cast in the Fantastic Four by now if that was the case. All right, what's next? Black Jack Hooligan says, Rob, have you seen Extreme Prejudice by Walter Hill? It's a fantastic action film, and Powers Booths is an excellent as a villain. Oh, guess what special stuff. edition Blu-ray got released not just three or four weeks ago? Extreme Prejudice by Walter Hill. Guess who owns it? This guy. Of course you do. And, and <laughs> Powers it's a Booth great is movie. awesome. Powers Booth is so good. Yeah. All right, what's next? Adam Mooney says, Feige told THR, how do we elevate it? Deadpool 3 in the way we've been able to. 
with Civil War and Infinity War and Ragnarok. Thoughts? I feel like this will have a huge multiverse element. I have no idea what they're asking. Yo. How do we elevate Deadpool 3? You don't need to elevate oh. it. Dead See, that's the thing. Deadpool, they've already got the recipe. Deadpool has its recipe. You don't and it's one of the most delightful, awesome things on screen. Do not mess with the with the formula. Like let let Ryan Reynolds uh, Reese and Wernick, let them do their thing and just stand back and let them work their magic. There's nothing that has to be done. You don't need to elevate it. Just let it be. All right, what's next? Okay, Glenn Mark writes, the first time I heard of Bernard Cribbins was his voice. He's the beloved narrator of the Wombles, mm -hmm. but I most remember him fondly as Donna Noble's grandfather. Dear Bernard, rest in peace. Uh, I'm not familiar. Is that Was that the, um, the um, Doctor Who guy? Yeah. Oh, yeah. it was the Doctor Who guy, okay. And the Wombles were like these little fuzzy guys from 1960s. I, yeah, I was not familiar with them either. But I'm glad people know this work. Mm -hmm. I'm glad people know that work. All right, what's next? Uh, James LH writes, Hi, John. I know you like the trailer, so if you're not already, I recommend placing one series to the top of your watch list, the docuseries about ILM, Light and Magic on Disney+. Oh. Six X. Excellent one hour episode. Dude. Uh, wait, have they dropped it? Yes. Oh, it's out now. Oh, it yeah. is. Oh, yeah. I, got, I got to watch it. I'm going to watch that tonight. I'm going to watch it tonight. Believable. I'm watching it right yeah, now. <laughs> I've been so pumped for this ever since they dropped Ever since I knew of its existence, I am absolutely watching that tonight. 100%. We'll probably talk about it tomorrow. Tears, man. I only watched one episode. Tears. Dude. Cannot wait. All right, what's next? Alex Bernard Bernardini writes John, remember the line, didn't you chart in the 60s? They're stuck in the quantum realm. Franklin. Franklin Richards is what Feige really wants to do. I, 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 yeah, I'm not really sure what we're talking about. I think that the, maybe the Fantastic Four did exist. They were in the quantum realm. From but what the 60s. line is he talking about? Oh, from Doctor Strange. Yeah. Right? yeah. What was the line? In, yeah. Didn't when, you when chart in the, the 60s? When he was at the Illuminati, he's like, Fantastic Four, didn't you guys chart in the 60s? In, in, I don't well, remember the line. Yeah. Well, did. it's a joke line, but it could be a double entendre like the Fantastic Four sounds like a a band oh, all right you know. okay what's next here we go T tyler odom writes game day rob game day? i finished for all mankind in three days <laughs> what do you think of margo i think i find her more almost more annoying than danny ray keep on keeping on <laughs> what my redhead margo is one of my favorite characters this season she's become a bit of a hard ass set in her ways free margo i don't all trust right. her what's man. next okay we got two more um and antagonistic anonymous antagonistic says, yeah regarding regarding krasinski compared to the uh edgerton situation he would have played coy about his meeting with marvel if it was successful unlike krasinski who said not allowed to talk that's nda here's the problem uh it, it's folly to try to play the game of if he was doing it he wouldn't have done this i i you know what I have learned because I have thought that way before, but I have honestly learned that every actor will deal with and handle these situations in their own way. And just because, you know, one person handled it one way does not mean that's the way this is. Well, if he, he did this, that means this. I have learned not to try to read too much into that. So I don't know. Who knows? All right. What's next? All right. Ben Rayner says, I'm finally catching up on Sh Stranger Things 4. Finished part one yesterday. That ending reveal. Wow. What did you think of that reveal? Did you guys see that coming? Thanks for the show, guys. I, I don't know what reveal we're talking uh, about. Reveal, like the whole, honestly, yeah. the whole series. You mean just about got, number one. About after part one. Oh, uh, about number one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was a good reveal. That was a really good one. And they set it up well. 
Yeah, they definitely did set earned. it up well. Yeah, yep. it, 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 it made sense narratively by the time you got there. So yeah, that was a really good one. And we got excited. one last one from Alex Weiss. He says, do you guys have any tips for getting a short film dis distributed? Thanks and love the show. No, Sorry, guys. <laughs> that's, I mean that's that's like that's a whole show. Here's, yeah. Here's part of the problem: like short films are a great way to cut your teeth, get your name out there, show what you can do. But people don't buy tickets to go watch short films. I, I and again, I'm not saying that to dissuade people from making short films. There's so much value in making good short films, but in like getting it distributed. Uh, if you've there's an online channel called Dust that distributes puts out horror yep. and sci-fi shorts. They put out our, our short Sky Fighter that we did. They did a great job with it. It's almost, I, I would, half the time, depending on the situation, I would just say, put it on YouTube. Yep. Uh, it might be the, the best bet. So I mean, again, again, I am not a film distributor, so I, I wouldn't have a lot of expertise to offer you in that. Okay, guys, oh. <laughs> with that all down, let's now move on to the people sending in super chats. Chris, what do we got? We've got support from Stephen Darren Holt. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you, Stephen. SOMD Picker, I still want a Hulk versus Wolverine movie. I don't need a Hulk versus Wolverine movie. I would just love a Hulk versus Wolverine scene. Mm -hmm. I mean, that that would that's yeah. all I need. You can always watch the animated one, too. All I, yeah, there's a lot of that. All right, what's next? From Dave XP, yesterday I watched a lot of people react to the Samaritan trailer, and everyone seems so hyped about it. It's even weirder to me now that they are not playing it on cinemas. Okay, but how many times have we seen good trailers to bad movies? Like, just because the trailer looks good does not mean the movie was good. And just because a trailer is bad doesn't mean the movie's bad. But, I mean, they they decided, they changed directions. Because remember, the plan was to make this thing theatrical. They changed their minds for a reason. Hopefully, it was just because Amazon thought the movie was so awesome that they made them an offer they couldn't refuse. That's possible. And I hope that's the case because I think it looks great too. But Sly looks great in it. Sly mm -hmm. looks awesome in it. But aren't they? Isn't it MGM? And didn't Amazon buy MGM? So I don't think it's MGM. Oh, okay. Did I? I don't think Not MGM sure. made that. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. And remember that deal was that that but if was they did. But that was already in place before CinemaCon. Yeah. And they still brought CinemaCon to showcase it as a theatrical release. So I don't know. It would, it would seem awkward. All right. What's next? From South Texas Shark. If Lady uh, Dimitrescu from Resident Evil 8 taught us anything, a lot of people will be really thirsty for She-Hulk. <laughs> I don't oh, watch wow. Resident Evil. So I, I know. What, Big women. I know what he's talking about. Big oh. girls. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. I have, again, I'm thirsty for She-Hulk. <laughs> right We're all shocked, Robert. <laughs> We're all shocked. <laughs> All right, what's next? From Luis Enrique de la Peña. You should watch Street Food USA on Netflix because the first episode is about street food in L.A., Mexican, Filipino, Guatemalan. The episodes are less than 40 minutes. It's so good. Okay, okay so we haven't started watching this yet, but Anne will instantly start watching. Oh, she loves her food shows, especially on Netflix. She loves those ones. I oh, watched that foods so episode. Good. It's the worst because you want to go out and get yeah, street food watch those things right hungry. Now, yeah, you got to yeah. eat first, and and it's a tearjerker too. It's a yeah. really emotional episode. It's really huh. good, though. Like, because mm -hmm. even to, to Jonathan's point too, even when we watch like diners, drivers, and dives, oh. it's like if we're sitting around the house and like just comes time and that comes on, we're like, okay, now we got to go eat because now we're all hungry. Now we want to do something. I can imagine that would be there. Mm -hmm. really in LA is great. Who's the guy who did? He was like one of the showrunners for uh, Everybody Loves Raymond. Oh, oh um, feed Phil. Feed Phil. Anne is in love. He's great. He's fantastic. Yeah. Anne loves that show. Somebody feed Phil. Mm -hmm. It's so good. Oh yeah. Anyway, okay. What's oh, next? Now, now I'm getting the theme hungry. song stuck in my head. <laughs> From huh. Matt Sanders. Hey John, couldn't message on the 19th, but my friend and I met Schnepp in June of 2018. My friend was wearing a metal jacket with patches on it. One of two. It's right up here. I found it. Okay. 
Um, Schnapp asked my friend to do a spin and he was like, that band sucks. Or, oh, they're good. We talked to him about metal and his shows he's done for maybe 45 minutes. Rest in peace, King of the Sweaties. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Schnapp was, I, like, whenever I refer to Schnapp, then talking about the online world, he was the best of us. He was the best. Um, he was the one. Like, the, the, you guys have all often heard me say, fandom is meant to be where we celebrate the things we love. I got that quote from him. He was the one who who kind of gave me that. And, and that's always resonated, resonated with me about fandom is supposed to be us collectively celebrating the things we love. I honestly think Schnepp would be disgusted with the state of online fandom on YouTube and stuff like that today. I, I really do. I think he'd be utterly disgusted with it the way what, it is today. And Schnepp also loved the creativity of other people. Like you if, know what? One if, of the things he taught, you were there when he, when he said this. And one of the things he said to me that always, always stood out, he goes, I love creators, even when I don't like what they're creating. I yeah. love creators. Yep. <laughs> he loved it. And when somebody like made their own T-shirt or made a jacket, he loved that. He's like, show that to me, man. Yeah. He yeah. would always yeah. love it. He would also talk about like movies that he didn't even like. But man, I love that that dude made that movie. Right. Like, I, I thought it was crappy. But but the fact that he would do that and stuff like that, like he, just, he just celebrated. He loved creation. He mm -hmm. loved art. He loved the, the fandom that collectively celebrated it all. And of course, there was stuff he didn't like. Of course, there was. Sure. But to him, that's not what it was about. It was about what we love. And I, I, it was it was he was incredibly influential on me and on, I think on, on just about everybody in the space. But yeah, the, the dude was amazing. All right. What's next? From My Comic Planet, John, what would you like for Alan Horn's number one priority to be at WB? Oh, boy. Superman. Well, I mean, it's not <laughs> as much as I would love it to be Superman. That's not going to be his number one. He's, he's going to be bigger picture than that. Yeah, I know. I, I honestly think, and I'm not just saying this because I'm a comic book movie fanboy. I really think the number one responsibility there right now is to get the DC house in order. Is to really get that solidified. Again, we're not going to see big change. We are not going to see and feel the big changes for the first year, two years, whatever. We're going to we're going to feel the effects of whatever changes they do now and probably in a couple of years. But I, I got to believe that's going to be Horn's number one thing, which is get that house DC in order I, and get it set. I have a feeling he's going to go way beyond his duties. I do, too. Batman beyond. <laughs> yes. what? Let's, that get that Let's get that on the road, baby. Yeah, don't see that happening, but all right, what's next? From Blake62. I trust the people's champ to give the millions and millions, and millions of fans what they want. Henry is the Superman. The S stands for hope, John. Hey, listen, I do I do hope again, but that one quote from the director when he said, Yeah, blah, 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 but by the end he doesn't even know who Shazam is, he doesn't know who Superman is, but he's still figuring out his place in this world. That may kind of make you uh, uh, listen, is it possible Henry's in this movie? Yes. Will I, will I jizz in my pants if he is? Yeah, probably. Thanks, I, MeUndies. I just, thank you, MeUndies. Um, send me my new order. So, <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> right away. <laughs> but I, I no longer believe he will be. I, I believe he's not in it. But again, that's just belief. And belief can change on new information. So fingers crossed. All right. What's next? From Spencer P. I think I've been overwhelmed with Star Wars recently due to most things being prequels. Do you think stories focusing on characters whose fate is already known is leading to lackluster content? I mean, I, I, I sometimes feel that way. A great argument against that, though, is, of course, what was the biggest movie in the world for a long time and is still one of the biggest movies of all time is Titanic. We all know how the movie ends. That boat sinks. <gasps> um, spoiler alert. 
We know how Abraham Lincoln ends. Abe gets shot. Um, I mean, so listen, if you tell a good story, it, it doesn't, the destination isn't the point of the storytelling. It's the journey that is the point of storytelling. I've gone into many movies where I know the ending. I think I know what everything that happens in Black Panther 2. We aren't going to talk about that, though. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, that's irrelevant. <laughs> that honestly, to me, is irrelevant. It's still, it's the journey of the story. How is the story told? To me, <laughs> the problems that we've had with some stuff like, like Obi-Wan, like Boba Fett, and, and stuff like that, hasn't been that, well, we know what happens to this character or that character, or whatever. It's, it's about the journey hasn't been as engaging and as enticing. And it's the execution of the storytelling. That's it. So, yeah, I prefer not prequel stuff in general. There's some prequel stuff in any franchise that I really do like. But in general, I prefer stories that move forward. But you can still tell a great, compelling, interesting story and journey to do otherwise. I, I don't know, Rob, what do you think about that? Me saying it's about the journey, not the destination. No, I, I think that's true. I, I, but I think that, you know, the Star Wars universe has seemed very small to me. And I think that the Mandalorian sort of opened it up, moved away from the Skywalker saga. Sure, Luke is a part of it now, but they've leaned into this other mythology that sort of has been growing out of that, which I think is great. I would love to see more stories that were away from our core Skywalker saga because it's just the larger universe. What's going on in the larger universe? Like, you know, even on this planet, John, we're so fixated on what's happening in L.A. Well, I want to know what's happening in Paris. How's that being affected by the universe? What's going on when the emperor changes, I don't know, his taxes on some other planet or, or the, 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 they're invaded by shock troopers or something? What's going on over there? What's their underground like? I don't know. All right. What's next? From Andy, I think Zaslav has been trying to bait Feige to cross over to WB. Alan Horn is just simply the masturbator. Mm, to get Feige to come to him. I mean, listen, if, if you got to put bait on the hook, again, we've seen this happen in other industries all the time. You want that talent? Hire somebody who that talent already really likes. And you say, say, huh? Hey, you know, when I worked for Alan Horn, I had all this freedom. I, I got, I got removed from the yoke of uh, Ike Perlmutter. I was able to do and create all this stuff. It was, they were good days, good days. So I, I don't doubt for a second that's at least not the main reason David Zaslav brought Alan Horn, the most brilliant film executive of the last number of decades. But I, you can't tell me that's at least somewhere in the back of Zaslav. But maybe him being here could be a, an extra little. I mean, I don't know. We'll see what happens. All right. What's next? From Alex Mata, would a drastic increase in guests for the big panels affect security and keeping footage from leaking? Um, listen, if you have the right system in place, you can have a hundred people come in the room. You can have a hundred thousand people come in the room. If you have the right system in place, CinemaCon, um, CinemaCon w was incredible. I mean, oh, they, they would nail people in a second. You checked your the camera. time on your phone. You were fucked. And yeah. D23. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, the last D23, what didn't come out on YouTube footage of people in D23. Because they had a great system in place. So if you have the right system in place, you'll be okay. All right, what's next? 
From Spencer P. I think I've been underwhelmed. Oh, no, we've read this yeah, one. Yeah, it's Andy. Um, Andy, I think Zaslav has been trying. We've done this one as well. Oh, um, yeah. So am I going up or down? Alex Mata, you're going Yeah, you got to yeah, go up. Um, Jay yeah. Bling, you said yesterday you thought Fantastic Four is releasing in the beginning of the first half of 2024. The specific, specific release date is November 8th, 2024. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh. Well, like I said, I didn't, I didn't have the date off the top of my head. I'm yeah. terrible with release dates. Most of older movies, like anything that came out prior to yesterday or movies coming out. I'm always terrible with dates. 100%. All right, what's next? From Aiden Foley, Morbius and Wong. It's more Wong in time. Uh, that's yeah. not one of the, I'm not going to lie to you, my brother. It's not one of the better ones no. I've heard today. Let's see no. what Ray thinks. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, uh, Jonathan has stepped out to go use the bathroom. So Ray is at the control panel right now. God help us all. <laughs> I, I still like... Wonkanda forever. Wonkanda forever. That, that is one good. is still sticking mm -hmm. with me. All right, what's next? Okay, you guys have to bear with me. This is one of two. I don't know if we have this second. No one. worries. Okay, we'll, Stephen C twenty. As a diehard fan of Cavill Superman, last Saturday was the final straw for me. I've given up all hope. DCWB has massively disappointed with their latest fandom and San Diego Comic Con events. I am officially. All right. So while Ray is scrolling to see if there's a part two of that somewhere. Oh, okay. Um, should I just? Yeah. Uh, well, you can put the camera on me for now. Oh, sorry. I will. I will say again. Listen, it's all right. They're not going to do something we hoped happened. All right, move on. Oh, I found it. Now, all right. Let's. let's uh, what, what's part two here? Uh, I'm officially uh, off any DC shared universe train. Not the Batman. I really hope Zaslav sees what Marvel did on Saturday as a major wake up call. I know he wants Superman involved, but I've seen no action yet. I'm not quite sure. What did Marvel do? What, what did Marvel do that you wish DC had done at their panel other than announce Henry Cavill as the new Captain Britain? I mean, I, 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 again, listen, there he is. I feel very safe in this. And not even Mama Cavill. There's nobody on this planet that wants Henry Cavill as Superman back more than me. I, I'll take that to the, to the mattresses. I don't think there's anybody that wants that more than me. But if they don't, move on. Okay, now I hope the movie you give us is still good. Listen, Black Adam might be the best movie DC's ever produced. Might be the worst. Don't know. But if Henry Cavill's not in it, okay, I didn't get what I wanted. I'm, I'll be disappointed, certainly. But I'm not then going to hold a grudge and a vendetta against the movie because it didn't do something I wanted it to do. I'm going to go into that movie, I'm going to watch it, and I'm going to judge it on its own merits. I'm not going to judge it that... Henry wasn't there. Although maybe there's a little part of me that's like that. I, but I'm not going to judge on that. I'm going to go in and say, show me the movie. And if the movie's good, I'm going to come out going, yes, it was a good movie. And if it's bad, then it's bad. But yeah, I, as, as a fellow somebody who really wanted to see Cavill come out on that stage at Cinema Con, or at uh, Comic-Con, they didn't do it. So we feel disappointed. We lick our wounds and we move on. So let's see what happens. Let's see what happens, brother. All right, what's next? From Whitehawk, I know it was a joke, but couldn't the comments in Doctor Strange 2 about charting in the 60s mean something? We touched on that. I really don't. I really think it was a joke. It was uh, a joke, yeah, too. It was a, like there, he wasn't implying a recognition of the name. He was making a joke about the name. So Like yeah. there's the four tops. You know, there's bands. That yeah. Four seasons. All right, seasons. Next? Lucky BX. Hi, crew. I feel the best option is to introduce a Tata... T'Challa Black Panther variant, uh, 838 Universe, who eventually comes into the 616. It's not a recast of Chadwick Boseman, but it is an addition, uh, an addition to win-win. I'm not a fan of multiverse. 
So you have to take that with a grain of salt that I'm not a fan of multiverse. I do straight up prefer the idea of recasting. James Bond does it. Totally great. They had to do it in Harry Potter with Dumbledore. Totally great. Works great. Um, I I still prefer the idea of somewhere down the line saying T'Challa is back, only it's a, it's a new face. Well, you can't do that if you, oh, really? Really? Because they did it with Rhodey and it was perfectly okay. Right, you switch from one roadie to another roadie, and they just did one little funny mind. Like, yeah, it's me. Deal with it, and then they moved on. I still think that's the best way to do it. But considering Kevin Feige said this is the multiverse saga, I mean, maybe they will. But yeah, I'm just, I'm not a big fan of yeah, multiverse. Then, so we'll see. Then that universe is is missing their Black Panther. It's like, oh, let's just strip all the superheroes from everywhere else. Yeah, from all their other universes. Yeah, six one six is more important. All right, what's next? Dr. J, WandaVision was the surprise hit for the previous Phase 4 announcements in 2019, and it's still my favorite Disney Plus show. Do you guys see a Phase 5 project that may exceed expectations the same way? Well, if we're predicting it will exceed expectations, then it's not exceeding our expectations, <laughs> right? I mean, I, I agree with you. WandaVision is still, to me, including Mandalorian, go, WandaVision to me is still the gold standard of what a Disney Plus series can be. It's it's still the gold standard. I'm, so, hey, listen, I, I have very, very high hopes for uh, for She-Hulk. I really do. Big, big hopes for She-Hulk. Maybe it'll be great. Maybe it won't. That Daredevil thing, 18 glorious Ooh. episodes. Yeah. So I a lot of high hopes for that. But again, ex- exceeding expectations, one thing, already pretty high expectations. All right, what's next? From James Argenta, over under 2.5 variants of Kang in Ant- Ant-Man 3. Over. Yeah. Now, now this isn't. I'm not. This isn't going to be. Full. We're going to get like a thing movie with a lot of them. I don't oh, think yeah. that's here, but I'm going to go over 2.5. What about you? Rob? I'm right there with you. A lot more than 2.5. Right, as early as in Ant Man. Yes. All right. What would the point five be? Just well, have well, a because you can't say because if you say over <laughs> under two, well, two could be a tie. So you oh. say point five. So so it's either going to be over 2.5 or it'll be under 2.5. I was taking it very literally. It if there's two and a half variants, and was like, that's not right. Okay. I, whenever I play over under, I'll often it's set just a point five. Walking around. Yeah. A yeah. lot of people okay. say, well, what do you mean point five? Well, it's because then it's either over that or under that. It oh. can't be a tie with it. I wouldn't be surprised if at the beginning of Batman, we get some kind of a montage where we learn about 20 different Kangs. I, I would not be surprised. Mm-hmm. It starts at least many Marvel projects had started with. I mean, just look at the most recent Thor, right? It starts with a bit of backstory on who the villain is. And then they go from there. They could totally do that with that, man. Mm-hmm. All right. What's next? From Stubble McShave, 1994, a great year for original movies. Shawshank, The Crow, Leon, The Professional, Forrest Gump, Pulp Fiction, Interview with a Vampire, Stargate, MBK, Speed, The Mask, Ace Ventura, Jeez. Dumb and Dumber, Lion King, Clerks 2, uh, Two of Colors trilogy, Age Creatures, and more. Heavenly Creatures. I, it, I, I never even thought of that. Hel- I mean, I always think of that year because of Shawshank Redemption, right? Like, there's a bunch of other movies, and, you know, Shawshank didn't win Best Picture. It should have, uh, but with all. But you're right. That was a stacked, stacked year. year. Absolutely stacked year. Well pointed out, my friend. All right, what's next? From Ricky Bizarro. Happy Thursday, crew. Hey. Fun fact: I just found out the artist who made the Black Panther two trailer music is the same guy who made the Running Up That Hill remix for Stranger Things episode nine. Pretty impressive discography. Well, didn't Ludwig do the music for the trailer? He said for the trailer. oh for the trailer. So that wasn't Ludwig's music in the trailer. I don't the know. remix of No Woman No Cry. Oh, and no, then yeah, you... it's a different remix. Okay. It's yeah. a different remix. Okay, okay. Oh, well, that's that's interesting. That's cool. I mean, that, that guy's already, that guy's now carved <laughs> out a place for themselves yeah. <laughs> in this industry right there. Well pointed out. Thanks for bringing that up, man. All right, what's next? 
From Collins E, I'm loving all these Wong-based movie title puns in the chat. My favorites, Star Wong, King Wong, and Chu Wong Fu. Thanks for everything, Julie Wongmar. That's the best one. That's a winner. That one. That's a good, okay, I like that one. That one's pretty damn good. I think this is going to be our new bro thing for probably the next couple of days. We'll probably be that one. Someone asked over the Marvel Studios Civil Wong. Civil Wong. The Wong father. Let me cut in here. Wong father, yeah. Let me cut in here real quick for another premium chat that's sent in. Harris McGrade said, do you all have any excitement for Christopher Paolini joining the team as co-writer and co-showrunner for the Aragon Aragon remake? It he's seems the original. Yeah, he's the original. Books. Honestly, no. Um, I because I, I, he really hasn't done anything else that I'm aware of, really. And I mean, I've never read Aragon. And a lot of people, even friends of mine who have read it and like it, like, it's not the best written novel. So uh, honestly, he was a kid. yeah, I, I he was a kid. Hey, and maybe it'll turn out great. I'm not yeah. saying it won't. I'm just saying, does it make me any more excited for it? Yeah. No, no, it doesn't. All right. What's next? From Suthius, with the revelations of Thunderbolts and Multiverse Saga, I'm curious as to how the Black Widow movie fits into everything and what the roles of Yelena, Red Guardian, Milena, and Taskmaster will be. Well, as to where Black Widow fits in, listen, Black Widow, that was just made so they could have a Black Widow movie. I mean, that that wasn't, and and hey, it does this thing to do something with Yelena and bring in Yelena. They, they fit in some function there. But really, at the end of the day, it was just, Everybody was screaming for a Black Widow movie for so long, so they kind of wanted to give it to her. And the movie was all right, I, I guess. But unfortunately, David Harbour's character steals that movie. And I don't think we're going to see him again. I hope we do, because he was great Love in that. him. I loved him well, in His that. dynamic with Yelena is wonderful. So good. Oh. Secret oh. Wars, dude. I hope so. They're going to bring right. back everybody. Secret you're right. Wars. All right, what's next? From Irene Jobson, sending little love. Thanks, Irene. Thank you, Irene. Where is he? Oh, never mind. That's that's a little... Okay, anyway, what's next? <laughs> from Assistant Professor X, now it makes sense there's no record for the Ten Rings. They are from the future, Kang's future, thrown into the far past by Ant-Man in Quantumanium. Possibly. I don't know how that fits in with Ms. Marvel's Gauntlet. I don't know how that fits in with the Eternals. Because um, I, I still believe, I mean, obviously everybody now believes the Gauntlet and the Ten Rings are connected. Mm-hmm. And I still kind of suspect the Eternals is connected to it as well. Oh, yeah. When you look at, ultimately, it was the rings at the end, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't know if Kang explains that, but it coming from the future, that does fit up with the conversations they had at the end of Shang-Chi. Because in the, at the end of Shang-Chi, they're like, I've got nothing on record, nothing on it in the in the historical text. And Captain Marvel's is not Kree. So, I mean, that would explain that. Yep, that would explain that. But then they're going to have to figure out how does that tie into Eternals? How does that tie into Ms. Marvel? But, hey, all the answers are forthcoming. They already know them. They know them. We just don't. What's next? From Al Renshaw, how much of a baller move would it be if at next year's San Diego Comic-Con or following years of San Diego Comic-Con, Horn came out to announce Feige is joining him at WB? Mic drop and jistastic. The industry would explode. Now, there's no way something like that would be able to be kept under wraps until this isn't like a little movie thing. <laughs> yeah. Like every industry insider will know the moment that happens. It's so they can never do it, but Oh my God, if it did, that would be like, I don't know. That would be Sean Michaels kicking Marty Jannetty in the face. And nobody knows that reference. I get it. Nobody knows that people? reference, but that was that from a sports thing. Uh, sort of. 
But that is Shawn Michaels putting sweet chin music on Marty Jannetty and putting him through the glass. If all of a sudden he came on, you know what would be even better? Kevin Feige's on stage with Bob Chapek talking about their upcoming thing. And as Bob Chapek turns and picks up something, Kevin Feige picks up a metal chair, smashes oh him over the bracket. Oh, Alan Horn oh, runs out on stage. They all start giving him oh the boot. That's it. That's, That's what's going to happen. Everyone gets sprayed with beer. Yes. Everybody gets sprayed yeah. with beer. The Rock comes out, Man. drops the rock bottom. It's all great because he's yeah he's moving. He's over at WB. The Rock is there too now. I'm telling it's you, perfect. It's all coming. WB's all right, what's never next? Never asked to a Comic Con again. It's great. <laughs> From Bobby Jackson, I know this won't happen, but I wouldn't put it past Feige to pull a Serpent Society with Avengers Kang Dynasty and reveal a new title, Young Avengers the Kang Dynasty, that leads into Secret Wars. Okay, here's why I don't think that will happen. Now, for those you know what he's talking about, Captain America's Civil War was actually called Captain America's Serpent Society, and they said that was the name of it for a long time. And it wasn't until the big Disney event that was held at the El Capitan Theater, I was there in the audience and they brought it goes, oh, by the way, yeah, Captain America Serpent Society is actually in the talk of Captain America Civil War and everybody lost their bananas, right? The reason I don't see them doing that here is because Serpent Society was a nothing title for, for most people, right? Kang is a thing right now. And you've gotten a lot of people excited about Kang Dynasty. And I think to pull a fast one like that, to go to something that people would care less about, like Young Avengers, I don't think that would be a smart move. I don't know, Rob, what do you think? Well, I'm deep into rereading the Kang Dynasty storyline. I didn't realize that, boy, I have this hardcover on my shelf. You have to lend that to me. It's, um, it's you want to borrow a book? I'm sorry, dude. Come on. He doesn't borrow. He doesn't like You won't borrow a disc? You want a book? No, no, I yeah. can stream whatever. No, you can. But the, the, the storyline, it's great. It's epic. It's awesome. And there's no way it would be just about the Young Avengers because it literally involves, I mean, they blow up Washington, D.C. They kill millions of people. Kang basically says, I'm coming to take over the earth to save it. And it's the shenanigans are epic. It's I forgot. It's really, really, I forgot how good it actually is. It is, I'm more excited now. I'm like halfway through. It's one of those things I pulled it off the shelf. I started reading. I'm like, oh, I forgot how good this was. And you're like, <laughs> going, it, I, the fact that they're doing this movie is awesome. And I don't know how they're going to change it, but it's going to be great. I'm excited. All right, what's next? Wrong button. There we go. From Sin Vendetta. Rob, any idea when a 4K Blu-ray release for both The Abyss and True Lies will ever get released? The eternal <laughs> question. Yeah, especially the True Lies one. We've, yeah, I mean, we've been hearing about this for a decade. Um, I've got bootlegs of both. I would love to get real releases of each. Um, you know, I don't know why there are four four Lightstorm titles that have not been released domestically. There's The Abyss and True Lies, which Cameron directed. There's Catherine Bigelow's Strange Days, which you can get from Germany, along with Steven Soderbergh's Solaris. Those are the four Lightstorm films, that's Cameron's company, that have not been released in HD on physical media in this country. Don't All right. know why. What's next? From Fiction Films, John and Team, you're awesome. Thank you. Thoughts on Glenn Powell being cast as the Human Torch? I X actor and X role. Yeah. It doesn't great, matter. Though. I wouldn't mind it. Sure, yeah. like, he's great. Hey, listen, he's he's a good actor, good looking kid, all that kind of stuff. Great, but again, there's probably a hundred actors that would be a really good fit for it as well. So right. yeah. that's fine. Yeah. All right, what's next? 
From Ricky Diaz. Hi, it's Lee Steinfeld's future husband again. Hey, bud. See, here's the thing. You're probably going to have, again, the one actress in Hollywood that my wife has straight up told me, I would leave you for her. So, and I think I mean, Anne yeah. has so a really good shot. You probably have to fight. You'd probably, yeah, and I think Anne has a better shot than you do. So, yeah. like, there's that. All right, what's next? No, sorry. Continue on. <laughs> Can we get bigger than Endgame? For Secret Wars, imagine all heroes from every Marvel movie, including the early 2000s, joining yeah. the battle. Just throw everyone in there. But here's yeah. the thing. I do think they're going to go bonkers. I, I do. The key to better is not necessarily bigger. Bigger is not better. Better is better. So, I mean, can they be better than they? Listen, I, I love Infinity War and Endgame. I love those movies. I, do, I don't know that I think either of those are in Marvel's top five, though, to be honest with you. So, yes, I think they can make something better than Endgame. Um, and they could even make it bigger, but bigger won't automatically equal better. I know, Rob, what do you think about that? I, dude, I think that movie is going to be absolutely bananas. And I think in terms of variance and bringing people in, I think they'll bring... It wouldn't surprise me if they brought DC characters into that secret war. I could believe... Okay, I'll tell that you crazy. right now, you are off your rocker. <laughs> I know, maybe that, so. That is not going to happen. Maybe so, but but I sent but, another hot toy bet coming no, up. No, here. no, no. I'm not. I'm just saying it's going to be because they could. I mean, if they go the Kang variant route, where there's like a thousand different Kangs, because you know they've done that in the in the comics. I think it's going to be bonkers, whatever it is. And I think after the Kang Dynasty story is so huge, but it's essentially. It's earthbound. I mean, it's in space too. If you yeah, know yeah, that yeah. right, but it's 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 terrestrial. Whereas Secret Wars is elsewhere, and I think that what's going to happen at the end of that story is poof, Thanos isn't going to snap his fingers, but everyone is going to disappear, like all the heroes right. find themselves on that, battle. But, gonna, I can't wait. But dude. again, at the end of the day, like bigger uh, movie to watch, big, it's not necessarily better. Keep that true. I mean, unless it's me, just saying. All right, what's next? <laughs> Oh. From Jay Bling. <laughs> Rob, I don't believe your life is NC-17. I think you want it to be. Oh. To get tied up by Third oh. Stone, grinded on, and then stabbed with an ice pick. Hey man, Bits Stick was rated R, dude. <laughs> he doesn't Who know what I just got read. All I can say is wait for my autobiography. <laughs> yeah. All right, what's next? From JD, anyone see it? Uh, Netflix is The Dragon Prince. It made the head writer of the three last Airbender series. It was made by the uh, head writer of the three last Airbender series. And I think it's one of the most well-written animated shows out, but I've never seen anyone talking about it. I did so many videos on this. I did so many videos and no one watched them, JD. So go find them. Actually, it doesn't matter now. Nerdwire's dead. But like, I made so many videos about this what, show. What is it? Um, it is a animated series that is set in a fantasy world, which people are kind of pitted against mythological, mythological creatures like dragons and elves. And they have this ongoing battle and it's really, really lovely and fun. All right. Thanks for the info. No problem. All right. What's next? From Orlando, Rob dropped the skincare routine. Oh. Yeah, I mean, should I drop using skincare products? No. You want to know what I'm using? You get to do a cute video now that says, so a lot of you have been no, asking me about my skin know. routine. Uh, they need the okay, tea. okay. I use Dermalogica oh products. I use their special so uh, their special uh, skin uh, uh, cleansing gel. And then I use their eye repair underneath my eyes. But that's it. That's why he's such a beauty. You don't use dish soap? <laughs> really? <laughs> I'm a big, I gotta tell you, I do that every morning when I come in. The Dermalogica products are hugely expensive. That the bottle's like sixty-five bucks. But let me tell you, it's delightful. Is, is that like another Filipino mom thing? Soap is soap, baby. <laughs> no, it's not. Soap is soap. All right, what's next? Oh, man, Dermalogica. 
You could eat off they my face. They should sponsor this show. <laughs> eat off my face. <laughs> Jesus, Ray. <laughs> what is happening today? What? From Andy. So, you know. <laughs> Clean. <laughs> All right. <No. laughs> All right. I don't find it funny. People Let's get this train back funny. on the rails. All What's right. next? Uh, From Andy. Uh, nope. Could have also been titled Don't Look Up. I mean, it really could have. Yeah. That title wasn't taken. I mean, I like the title Nope, though. Yeah, like, yeah that, I, I just like, like, Nope. I, I love that. By the way, there's, they released a clip for that new movie, Barbarian, um, which I'm going to Disney's lot to see on Monday. I'm going to go see You're going to see Barbarian? Yeah. Barbarian? Gonna go see and they're Monday. showing it on the Disney lot? Yeah. So I'm going to go watch it there. But they wow. just released a clip from it, right? Where, like, the, the lead girl in it, like, she finds this rope, pulls on the rope, and a secret door opens to this dark, mysterious, like, dead, Dude. like, and the only line of dialogue is, Nope. <laughs> and then I'm like, this is great. Uh, I read that script. It was uh, quite good. It, that that movie's going to be, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, every, everybody's raving about it. Everybody who's seen it is already oh, raving yeah. about it. Oh, yeah. And so. it, it uh, I'll never get a B&B again. <laughs> Swear to God. All right, what's next? From Sin Vendetta, John, I know it's subjective, but I recently binge watched Hawkeye over the weekend and I had I really, really liked it. I thought it was a lot of fun. Loved the Christmas vibes. Dude, that's awesome. I mean, listen, all this art is subjective and like it hits us all in different ways. And I want everybody to like everything they watch. I didn't like it, but that doesn't mean I hope other people don't like it. Like if you liked it, that's awesome. I celebrate that. I actually am jealous because I wish it worked for me because I love him I, I love the hawkeye character i really wanted it to work for me and and i didn't hate it i didn't hate it it just it you know just a little bit subpar for me but i'm thrilled that you liked it man all right what's next i still love that rotating shot when they're escaping at captivity in the car yeah that was, oh, oh, that yeah. was awesome that's good yeah that 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 sequence was fantastic yeah mm -hmm. absolutely fantastic What's next? From Dino Vader, have you already seen the ILM documentary on Disney Plus, a must for every film fan? Nope, but I've somebody Dude. just brought it up that it's now released, and I, I'm telling you, I'm doing that tonight. I'm hunkering down. I'm going to get a, a bag of uh, kettle honey mustard chips, or what? what's the flavor I like? Yeah, yeah, it's the honey mustard. Is it honey mustard? So. The, the, yeah. the kettle yeah. honey mustard chips. I'm going to get a bottle of Diet Pepsi. I know that's really partying it up. And I'm going to hunker down in my undies and I'm going to watch this damn thing. I'm you're going to need it. the six hours because I had to go to a birthday party. I didn't want to leave. I like was like, you know, it's one of those things where I'm like, do I have to go? And I had to go. But... Have I ever told you my hero's story? I don't know. Okay, so I had, I had a date lined up with a girl that I was very excited that I had a date lined up with, right? Saturday night, earlier in the day, my buddy Rodney, some of you will remember that name. My buddy Rodney comes over to my house earlier in the day with a couple of CDs that he burned the first season of Heroes on. He goes, have you heard, have you seen this? Have you seen this? I'm like, no, I haven't seen this yet. And I started watching the first episode. And of course it ends with save the cheerleader, save the world, right? And I'm like, oh my God, I got to watch the next episode. Then the next, then the next, I'm like, okay, two hours till the date. I'll take, I'll take a shot after one more. Then the next and the next, and then I'm calling, oh yeah, sorry. <laughs> so sick. Wow, so sick. Dude. And I actually wow. bitched on a date so I could wow, keep bro. watching Heroes. Did I you ask her out again it. or was that the, was that I was, it? I was too embarrassed to ask her out again. Oh, wow. Wow, dude. That was really was fortuitous of Anne to get those DVDs to your friend. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> And and from the future, working like, with Kang, plotted the whole thing. All right, what's next? She even made heroes suck at the end. She yeah. even made heroes suck by the end. <laughs> Matt Boyle. Hey, John, you were talking about Scrubs a few months ago, and I just finished the show, and it was amazing. Uh, give John C. McGinley all the roles. Marvel, give him a call. I'll tell you what. There, were, there was a, a period of time that he was my favorite character on television. 
uh, I can't remember what his name was, Dr. Cox. Cox, that's right. He was my favorite character on television for probably about a year. That I mean, forget the last season. That doesn't exist. The last season doesn't exist. That was a delightful, such well-written show. Uh, I really miss it. And uh, they've been talked, there have been whispers about a reunion movie or even a, re a revival on one of the streamers. I wouldn't be against that. I love him too. He's he's been a character actor in so well, many. Well, him movies. and Faison are like are both. Oh yeah, him and Donald Faison are both terrific. Mm -hmm. I love their new commercials that they do today. Wow, they're, they're fantastic. So cute. They're adorable. All right, what's next? From Al Renshaw, is there any human character, Star Wars or otherwise, that could stand a chance against the Ewoks if they were dropped onto Endor's forest? Could Rambo, Predator, or Peacemaker stand a chance? Predator could. They would. They would take out a few, but eventually the Ewoks will kill you. They, they, there's a reason they've survived on that moon for so long and killed so many things. They are, mur they, listen, they took down a walker. Mm -hmm. They took down an ATST. What's Ramble going to do? I mean, he'll take out a few of them for sure, but eventually they're going to be on their dinner plate. Mm. He's going to be on their dinner plate. I love them so much. I they love the Ewoks. They have numbers. If yeah, they have they they numbers. Maybe. All right, what's next? From Alfredo Parra, hey, John, although I tend to disagree with most of your takes, you put one a heck of a show on, so I tune in daily. Keep up the great content, team. See, that's the key. Listen, I, I say this all the time, but my favorite all-time film critic was Roger Ebert. He just keeps hoping for one day he can agree. <laughs> Roger Ebert, my all-time favorite film critic. More than half the time, I completely disagreed with his take on movies. But the thing was, he was so good at expressing his observation of the movies and why he liked or did not like the movie that I found that incredibly engaging. So even if I didn't agree with them, I loved reading yep. his take on it, right? This, I always say this about my show. My job is not to A, say things that you agree with, or B, to get you to agree with me. Neither of those are my job. My job is to give you my opinion and give it in such a way that it helps you sharpen your own opinion, whether it's the same as mine or whether it's different from mine. And if we can do that, then we can have fun conversations and have a good time. So the fact that you have different opinions than me is exactly what I'm hoping for. So that's that's great. I love hearing that. Thanks for sharing your thoughts. Reminds me of that artist that at Comic-Con, he's like, hey, John, you kiss my ass, but I, I love your show. So like, there's this, there's this popular artist. We were walking by the booth of this popular artist, the, the, the guy who is like the protege of Drew Struzan. Right. He drew that. And who drew that that image that Ray's got behind. You can't see it from yeah, the camera shop right there, now. though. But um, And we're walking by by his uh, by his booth, and I know where he goes, John Campion. <laughs> like, yeah, he goes, Man, I yell at you every day through my computer screen. Like, I don't agree like, with anything you say, but I love your show. <laughs> I love your show, man. <laughs> and, like, yeah, and, and he recognized John without looking at him. He heard his voice. Yeah, and heard John voice. had a mask on. How amazing is that? He's like, mm. I knew I recognized that voice. I heard that. He started hitting cold sweats. <laughs> Super weird, man. I was like, that's crazy. It's like PTSD. All right, what's next? From cinema, what if the origin of Fantastic Four was in an opening credit scene like Sam Raimi's Spidey had? I think it'd be cool and nostalgic. Listen, you go back to, um, I can't remember which Hulk movie it was. I can't remember if this is the one I was in. Yeah, it was the one I was in. The one with Ed Norton Jr. <laughs> of course. It, they, they literally, instead of, because that was a reboot, right, of the um, uh, Ang Lee right. Hulk, mm -hmm. right? It was, it was a reboot. But instead of going through and telling the whole origin story again, during the opening credits, you just hear some audio clips, some newspaper clippings, boom. And then by the time the opening credits are done, you get it. 
right? If they could do something like that with Fantastic Four, I think that would be terrific too. I think yeah. that would be excellent. All right, what's next? From Luis Enrique de la Peña, I agree with recasting T'Challa, but after having seen the powerful and moving trailer for Wakanda Forever, I don't think it would be appropriate to do it moving forward. You haven't, we haven't seen the movie. We haven't seen the movie. So, I mean, let's put aside any thought about what would or would not be appropriate about a movie that we haven't seen yet. Um, listen, again, I am all for 100% on team recast T'Challa. Absolutely. But the trailer was wonderful. It's wonderful. And all we can hope for is that the movie is wonderful too. And the movie being wonderful won't change my mind that they should have recast T'Challa. But believing they should have recast T'Challa is not going to stop me from loving a good movie if it's a truly a good movie. So that's mm -hmm. the right attitude to have, man. All right, what's next? From Zach Taylor, Game Day. Game Day. Harley Quinn season three no, is today. No, really? Yeah. Is Harley Quinn out today? Get it. Fuck yes. So you're going to have so much fun watching documentaries. I got to watch the Harley Quinn thing. It's going to be a time. And Ray's going to watch for all mankind. Yeah. And Ray, you know what? I'm so pumped. I'm excited, but. This is a good day. And I've got to, well, I got to go watch Super Pets today, but. Don't forget, well, don't Ray. Even, don't try to downplay. Oh, it's gonna be uh, I just don't believe it's going to be any good. Pets, it's baby. getting good notices. It is getting good reviews. It's yeah. getting good reviews. It's going to be charming. We went from up here to down there because of pets, and he says a he's a dog lover. Come on, I'm a dog lover. All right, he's All right. All right. not crypto or ace. What's All next? right. From Seconds from Disaster, I really think Wakanda Forever is right after T'Challa is dusted so they can re pay respects to his death now so they can find the perfect recasting later. No, because um, we know that Shuri is at the funeral and she was dusted too. Exactly. I heard a lot of people theorizing that maybe this place takes place during the blip. And they're, I mean, that's not a... That's not a bad theory, except for the fact that Shuri herself was also dusted and she's there. So this has to happen after that. All right, what's next? From Mike Scott, not a great look for Sydney Sweeney when she said in yesterday's New York Post article that she barely earns enough to survive as she lives in a three million dollar mansion. Just my opinion, though. <laughs> well, okay. Now this is the girl from Euphoria, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, but no, you take in context what it was she was saying, right? She was basically saying that, listen, I can't go six months without working, like because I do have bills to pay, I have whatever to do, and. Like, she may live in a $3 million mansion. Don't think for a second that she dropped $3 million and owns it. Right. Like, I mean, so she's probably on a loan or on a rental or on a mortgage or, or mm -hmm. something along those lines. Does she have more money? That She wasn't saying, oh, poor me, I'm so broke. No, she's saying, I can't go six months without working. And especially if she's living in a $3 million mansion that she's probably got like a $10,000 monthly mortgage or a $20,000 monthly yeah. mortgage. Her publicist costs more than that a month. Yeah. And the like, so her publicists, her lawyers, her managers, her agents, blah, blah. What she just said was, I, I can't go six months without a job. Yeah. So she wasn't saying, oh, poor me. I'm so poor. She never said that. She simply said, hey, listen, everybody thinks that if you are an actor on a hit show or something that you're set for life. I'm not. And I can't go six months without working. I need to make sure I'm working. Who among yeah. us can say we can go six months without working? Well, and that's why she was talking about how stacked her calendar is, basically. Too. Yes. Because what you have to remember, y'all, too, because this comes up anytime I book a, a great voiceover gig, people are like, oh, you don't have to work the rest of the year. Well, like, fun, I don't. Because <laughs> after taxes 
you you take away a ton of your money first after the taxes. Then you have to pay off all of your team. Your manager gets 10%. Your agent gets 10%. If it's a commercial and a voiceover, guess what? Both of my agents in different departments, they each get 10%. Yeah. So I'm giving all this money to other You're people, too. You're lucky to too. get 40% of what they pay you. Exactly. And the, the whole that, point of the article was she was expressing, they were talking about her, because she does a lot of nude and sex scenes and things like Euphoria and... Uh, 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 prank, not praying mantis, uh, Lotus. Oh. Um, and, and she was saying that, yeah, I'm going to continue to do, hey, listen, if it's with filmmakers I respect, I'm going to continue to do nude and sex scenes and stuff like that. And I can't go six months without working. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just, it, it was, so it wasn't as nefarious as it sounds. It I guess wasn't. the $3 million house thing, I get it. Yeah, What's I, this I, actress's I, name again? But guess what? If you live, <laughs> if you live in LA, guess what? Three million dollars. Yeah, you, you said a three million dollar mansion. Three million dollars does not buy you a mansion. Yeah, in LA. Yeah. The, yeah. I when Ann and I were looking for houses, okay, for eight hundred and eighty thousand dollars, we were looking at an eight hundred ninety square foot house with one bedroom, and it needed at least a hundred grand worth of <laughs> mm-hmm. worth of renovations. House, the, That's why we moved out of L.A. Yeah, and now live out in Riverside area. Yeah. So, because, like, so yeah, don't think, you if you live in Arkansas, <laughs> or you live, like, somewhere, somewhere in Texas, whatever, it's like $3 million would buy you a 7,000, yeah, not in L.A. Yeah, I just it. want all of you to know when I win this week's Powerball, which is over a billion dollars. <laughs> oh, that's right, I gotta buy. Everybody gets $10 million. Mega million? Uh, all of oh, you. That is yay! the power of binding contract. No problem. Contract. No problem. Like, but, you know, that billion-dollar right. Powerball. We are over time here, so we got to keep moving there. here. Let's let's We're get running there. here. What's next? For um, Juicy Reviews, I came to see Boss Baby 2 as part of the Summer Movie Clubhouse, and I got yelled at because I pulled a Chris and told her I didn't pay to see your screen at the movies. Oh. How'd you say it? Did you lean over and go, hey, I, I just, didn't pay I, to see your screen here? Because that's how I do it. Oh, the phone screen. Yep. Like, Mine oh, is you, yeah. I usually don't do it for phone screens. Mine is if people are talking, where I do the, hey there, hi, I didn't pay to hear you talk. Could we not? See, I'm not Could as charming. I literally wow. just from a few rows That's back, yell, shut the fuck up. Like, I'm, I'm <laughs> that guy. Did, did you ever hear that story at, when I went to see the Alamo, Disney's the Alamo years ago? Mm-hmm. Oh, I stood up and went, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> And, and yes, and then you realize you're by yourself. Logan thinks that's well, the voice the of the Alamo death. after all. Then I realized it was Laura, Laura, those doing the talking. <laughs> that's John's wife, by the way. Years ago. All right, what's next? From Len Mark. Hi, Rob. You sing that song from the Pirates of Penzance, but do you know the uh, version? The I am the very model, model of a modern era zombie killer. <laughs> I just learned Tuesday, gone, the zombies of Penzance exists. Okay, uh, I got to hear that. Yeah, oh. I, mean, I do not know that. Uh, do they say binomial theorems? Theorems. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Uh, I, I don't know it, but I'll I'll learn it and sing it just for you. Oh, I love that. All right, what's next? For um and we just are ending with some support from Book Lover who yeah. loves to cook. Oh, thanks so much for that like twenty dollars super, super chat, chat just to be supportive. And guys, we went overtime today, but that'll do it. For today's installment of the John Campy Show, thank you so much for being here and making this show part of your day. Big special thank you to all you guys who sent in those super, super chats, number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about. But number, eh, number two, you supported <laughs> this channel as you did it. And all of us here at the John Campy Show, thank you guys so much for that support. We also want to thank the folks at Peacock with their new show, The Resort, Ryan Reynolds and Mint, Better Help, Me Undies, Housing, the nether regions are keeping us also comfy. Thank you guys for sponsoring the show. Check out all of our sponsors down below. I don't know. I'm now just winging it. Shut the hell up. I'm trying to do a show here. Sitting right beside me, Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett. Beside him, the one and the only Chris Carr. Ray Ora over there joining you guys. And of course, producer Jonathan Boyko. That'll do it for us, guys. My name's John Campy. Thanks a lot for being here.
<laughs> Until next time. <laughs> bye bye. <laughs>